Hey, this is Cleveland Brown, and you're listening to the About Last Night podcast. I guess your TV must be broken. Ha <laughs> Just kidding. Actually, I'm not kidding. You're bored. Hey, everybody. Adam Ray for the About Last Night podcast. Happy Thursday. Hope you've been having a great week. I've been having a wonderful week. I'm in Denver right now. Um, had two great shows at the Comedy Works South. Thanks to everybody that came out. A lot of Alien fans. That was fucking cool. Um, and some new fans. Some people that were like, I never heard of the podcast, but I'm definitely going to check it out now. And I was like, I appreciate that, sweetheart. I didn't know you were a woman. That's not true. <laughs> Denver is the best. A lot of actually gorgeous women and gorgeous dudes. It's a, uh, you know, something about getting outside and, and you know, being one with nature really is, is good for the body. You know? It's like the original milk. Being outdoors. Milk, it does the body good. Outdoors does... Today's guest is, uh, man, uh, a man who needs no introduction, but I'll give him one anyway, because that's what we do here. He uh, created Mad TV, was a producer on Full House, Fresh Prince, Family Matters, responsible for the TGIF lineup of the 90s, a TV exec producer juggernaut, um, cast me in the new Mad TV, which is how I met him and became friends. Uh, the stories he has from the business are just uh, unmatched by any guests we've had and will be super entertaining for you and insightful. Um, his name is David Salzman, and he is here today making his ALN debut. In fact, his podcast debut. Um, so this one really was, was special because uh, he's a super busy dude, but he gave us uh, an hour and change to uh, just tell stories. One of those apps where you ask a couple questions and then kind of get out of the way. Um, so really, really fun, really entertaining, and... Um, uh, if you're looking to get some some Mad TV behind the scenes and Fresh Prince, how we met Will Smith and and the Jaleel White Steve Urkel story of him being a guest star and then becoming a series reg, I mean just that whole no, TV in the '90s was a different time and uh, and David was uh, you know at the forefront. So uh, enjoy the hell out of this episode and uh, follow uh, the podcast, of course, on Twitter at Alan Podcast, Instagram at Alan Podcast. I'm at Adam Ray Comedy on both of those. AdamRayComedy.com for my tour dates. Uh, at Brad Williams Comic on Instagram, at Funny Brad on Twitter. Uh, tour dates this weekend, tomorrow, actually, and Saturday. I will be at the La Jolla Comedy Store um, doing two shows each night. Back there, love San Diego, love the store. If you're in town, come. Uh, two shows Friday, two Saturday. Bring my boy Avery Pearson. Say hi, Ave. Uh, Sandy Danto and Frank Castillo will also be there. Uh, Going to be a blast. The shows are always packed. So get your tickets at AdamRayComedy.com. All my tour dates are on AdamRayComedy.com. We have Austin coming up uh, August 16th to the 19th. Chicago the 23rd through the 26th. And adding a bunch more, New York, Tempe, West Palm Beach, Minnesota, all on the horizon. So come out and see the shows. Um, they've been magical. Denver was just the fucking greatest. Um, and, uh, and only going to get more fun. So, uh, Brad Williams this weekend is, where is Brad? Let me pull up his website. Brad is in, oh, Omaha, the Funny Bone. Uh, tonight through Saturday, Omaha Funny Bone in Nebraska. Go see Brad, Funny Bone, Omaha, tonight through Sunday. Making the Midwest laugh. Take a break from your mayonnaise, cheeseburger, burrito, pancake, and go see a midget tell jokes. It'll make you laugh and burn off the calories from that sandwich. Omaha, you know. Some of you are probably like, that's a fat joke. But you know what? It's a, it's a delicious joke because Omaha knows how to eat. I've been there. They do food right. You know? That's not a bad thing. Look at our president. I don't, I don't know what I was saying by that. But anyway, Brad is in Omaha. And um, go see him. He's great. 
He's working on a new hour, and it's uh, it's fantastic. Uh, BradWilliamsComedy.com for all of his tour dates. AboutLastNightPodcast.com for all past episodes. Um, merch, and we just got our mock-ups for the uh, merch. Hoodies, beanies, sweats, new hats. Really fucking pumped. I'm actually going to start teasing some of the uh, logos and merch things we have. But uh, that will all be up on a new AboutLastNightPodcast.com website in two weeks. So be on the lookout for that. And uh, subscribe on iTunes if you haven't yet. Tell a friend. Tell a family member. Subscribe, rate, and comment on the page. Um, and, uh, and email us, aboutLastNightPod at gmail.com. Your highlights, where you get the pod, how you got into it. And we'll read some of those on air and uh, give you a chance to win some merch. Oh, speaking of which... ALN special fan, Denver this week, Dave. I didn't get your last name, but this dude Dave came out, super fan, was quoting episodes, said he could have talked to me for hours about the pod, which I would have loved because we don't get that a lot. You know, and it's just you do this and then you go, oh, yeah, people listen to it and they tweet back. But when you get like face to face, like, man, I, this episode and this is, that was really cool. So, Dave, you're the man. Shoot us an email so we can send you some merch. And thanks for listening. You are the tits. All right. Now we got the tour dates, Twitter handles, and merch info out of the way. Sit back, relax, and enjoy a brand new episode of the About Last Night podcast with the one and only David Salzman. Well, the weekend's over, so it's time to chat about it. Got a midget and a Jew, so why don't you sit down and listen to a dope podcast during lunch, dinner, or breakfast. A lot of instant takes. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, you get the who's who's number one. Right. Right. Oh yeah. Right. You can uh, you can throw those headphones on if you want. Or sure. Yeah. See if you like the uh, sound of your voice. I don't like the sound. Of it. <laughs> I would be worried if you did. Not that it's your voice, but it's just anyone that like because I know people that have. The best radio voices that uh, listen to it and they they just okay, get freaked out. You got it. Yeah, yeah. I there you go. It Took me under five minutes. Like, <laughs> oh boy. That's okay. like that. You just I just basically had a flash. Like when there's the next. I mean, already I'm like this with my nieces where they're like they'll talk about some new artist or something where I'm like, what is that? Like watching you fumble with that headphone. I was like, oh, that's yeah. a. <laughs> It's on. It, it it's on its way. Everyone says like, "Oh, that 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 that'll never be me. I'll never be the person that. I'll always be up to date. I'll always know what's going on." And then it it it's pretty much inevitable. So we're uh, we our office is in a building that's uh, you've been there, Adam. It's, yep, it's a classic um, mid century building. Oh, right, he's gonna push that mic and right here. A, there you okay. go. There's a guy who's a, an art historian. Yep, or just a historian. So he always has these interesting pictures of people. Like there's, there's the, in each elevator, they change them every couple of weeks. Yeah. So there's one with Zamboni. You know the the Zambonis from yeah the Zamboni machine. Yeah, he's a local guy. In L.A. Yeah, and well, the in the greater L.A. area, I think he's actually where you're from. Oh, okay, Orange well, County. Dar- darn right, we got <laughs> we have the porn star Jenna Hayes, we have Rep- Brad Williams, <laughs> and we have the inventor of the Zamboni machine. Right, wow. represent. That's what we got, and uh, Fender from uh, Fender Guitars. Yeah, nice. well, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah so, so that's that's our that's our hometown. <laughs> 
So in the other elevator, just before I came over here, there they have this guy whose name is Rubik, who did the Rubik's Cube, a Hungarian guy. Yeah, okay. And he looks like you know your 1970s uh, serial killer. You know, he's just got the eyes, but he's he's moving that thing. I we all know people who could do those things like in yeah. 15 or 20 seconds. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm still working on it right now. Yeah, those. I mean, I would think that in order to invent something like that, you'd have to be, you'd have to look a little off just because you have to see the world. In a completely different way For sure. that other people have seen it. Yeah, like uh, the, the, the same way uh, people say that comics are all a little off. Be- and I say, yeah, because when disasters are happening all around us, we have to see it and go, okay. So what's funny about this? This is true. When you know, pick your news story when that's happening. We we can't just always take the popular opinion. We have to go like, okay, but what if? What if Bill Cosby's not such a bad guy? How do we talk about that? Like, like not that that's one of the take I'm trying to take, but uh, like we have to kind of be a little askew in how we view things. We should. They didn't come to a verdict on on uh, not yet. Cosby yet. Yeah. So I knew Cosby way back when. Oh you know, yeah. In the seventies, you know, we used wow. to have him on shows and things like that, and he was that guy that you would see who like you wish you were Bill Cosby. Oh really. Uh, great athlete, you know, with yep. sports, right? Terrific, especially tennis. That sure. Was big for him. And so I was running a company and we had a deal with Hilton Hotels. Mm-hmm. So when I would come out here to uh, cast projects and things like that, I would stay at the Beverly Hilton and he was always seemed to be there. Maybe he had an apartment or something like that. Did he have a deal with Hilton? Was he doing Hilton ads like, this is your other than Jello <laughs> Hilton Hotel is the place that I'd like to chill? Good pudding pops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they got the best freezers for the best pudding pops. You got to call down to the front desk to get the the fridge in your room, but don't bring it to you. So I would, you know, we knew each other a little yeah, bit. Yeah. And I would yeah. see him, and he was always with the most beautiful young women. Sure. Well, and this is charming what, dude, right? Really charming. Yeah. You know, man's man, and the whole thing, and very good tennis player. Played with him a little bit, and uh, and other people, and th- to hear these other things about him. It just makes no sense because he had everything and everybody. Yeah, it, it's why would be, you do that? Yeah, it it's got to no be mind boggling, and it's always that thing where where you think you know somebody. It, it's, I mean, this yeah. is all, like, and that's not to say you can't like pe- people want to say like, oh well, Bill Cosby is just all bad now. It's like, well, his stand up is still good, and the oh, Co- yeah. and the, and the Cosby Show is still. Good. You can be a horrible human being and still be nice in some ways, or still be funny in some ways. And don't get, I'm, I'm not trying to make excuses for the actions, allegedly, but uh, <laughs> like it, it, it's not black and white. It's various shades of gray, and uh, it, and that that just had to be shocking for you. How how to did hear, you to hear to hear that kind of news? So well, you you knew I, him from what shows that uh, you had him on? Well, first. When I was going to college in the 60s, yeah. you know, I booked concerts for our college. This is so folk music, folk rock, oh. you know, rock, Motown. Was that kind of your stuff. in into the business more or less? My, my in was more through sports yeah. and, and journalism. That's right. But uh, So I booked him as an opening act. Uh, because in those days you'd have like the music act you'd book comedy and you know if you had a comedy headliner you'd book music before. Mm -hmm. So I had him as an opening act 
two years in a row with Peter, Paul, and Mary, who were very big at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Huge act and a great, great concert act. And he was terrific. And you could just tell he was going to be a star and he just had poise and intelligence and he had acting. This is before I Spy. And then he was, yeah. and of course, in I Spy. Yeah. But I, you know, the show that I got to know him pretty well because his Philadelphia roots was that uh, I became through some, you know, I still don't understand it myself. When, so when I was about 30, this guy uh, who was running one of the big uh, entertainment and broadcasting companies, which was owned by Westinghouse. In those days, Westinghouse and GE were equals, and they were whatever business someone went into, the other one went into the same business, and they just had this thing for each other. Yeah, right. And Westinghouse was way ahead of GE in terms of the media and entertainment. So uh, we had the Mike Douglas show, which ran for 20 years, which was a huge show. Mike we had, Douglas we had from Mike 60 Douglas, Minutes and... No, Mike Wallace. You're That's Mike Wallace. Oh, Mike Wallace. No, okay, Mike, sorry. Mike Douglas. We had Mike Douglas, David Frost, and um, Frost Nixon, Merv okay. Griffin. Yeah. So we had the three biggest Jeez. talk variety shows. Whoa. Um, you know, other than, you know, of course, Johnny was on at yeah. you know, night and stuff like that. Knew Johnny pretty well, too. So cause would come on because the show was based, the Douglas show was based in Philadelphia. And so Philadelphia, what you were doing is you were booking out of New York for the most part. And you were you always needed people, and the way you would book those shows were if there were problems like bad weather and you know Adam Ray and you know you guys couldn't come in and you were our a guest. Yeah, you'd have local people and you you had on them standby. down on standby. This guy yeah. was thirty minutes away, like like Teddy Pendergrass. We could get in the thirty. In Teddy 30 Pendergrass. Wow. wow. He was okay. on the thirty list, huh? Billy yeah. Joel was on the three, three hour list. We had Billy Joel seven times in one year. Uh, wow! As it turned out, I, I'm, he's probably my favorite of all the of course acts in the hey, last. Hey, that's years. one of the uh, and and you could probably attest to this. One of your best assets in this business is being available. Is is just showing up, and whether that be, I mean, hell, I've gotten stand up gigs. Uh, one very notably because uh, I I lived near the Bray Improv. Uh, Andy Dick was headlining. Uh, Andy Dick put his balls in someone's drink and <laughs> uh, then got fired. Then they're like, we need another comedian. Well, there's a midget that hangs down up down the street. Okay. <laughs> call him so then uh, they called me and that was one of my first headlining weekends at the Bray Improv his so. balls can't reach the drink yeah. <laughs> exactly well yeah. I mean it's way it's way below yeah. Uh, so yeah like it's just being available sometimes is a performer's best asset and yeah. so would cause right, right place right would, time would he crush I mean when he came on yeah was, he would crush yeah you know because he was so good. it was a live audience show so he played so well off of an audience and just as himself is more of a sit down comic he would you mm -hmm. know he would sometimes you know do three four minutes from his from stand up so you know really really good guy and then when I went actually when I was in college uh, in Brooklyn New York yeah that's where you're um, from. They, that's where I'm from. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now right. it's suddenly cool. You know, it was suddenly a, hip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A slum for 60 years. Now it's cool. Yeah. Now, <laughs> now, congratulations, sir. You are a hipster. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You were the original hipster. Yeah. So right by my college, they had the studios, the Avenue M, as in Mary Studios, and all of the Cosby Show, the big one that yeah. was the biggest, you know, sitcom of the 80s. Uh, except for the ones that we did, of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, th that uh, he, you know, he was there. So, you know, I would, you know, this was, I was already out of college, but I mean, we did them there. I saw Cosby there and I couldn't believe, you know, like two blocks from the college I went to, they were shooting this TV show. Wow. Yeah, yeah it was wild. And now you said that uh, when you saw Cosby, you could kind of instantly see that he was going to be a huge star. Uh, how how good is your radar for finding people that are going to be like? Because you go through your 
catalog and rather it be Fresh Prince or rather you know with launching Will Smith or rather Full it be House Family Full House. Matters like, Mad uh, TV yeah like how like how is your radar at finding people that can be like oh that person's gonna be a star pretty good I think I'll, I'll yeah. give you an example yeah. in 76 I did a pilot for Revlon it was supposed to be a series and then the president of the company got fired and that was it but we we beat this is so as the beginning of SNL we beat oh. SNL by by a tenth of a rating point. Okay, and so I used to come out here. Um, I'm very, I'm really interested uh, in this new series. I'm dying. Up uh, yeah, yeah, our buddies I'm dying on up there. here because that Andrew was like Santino, the period Eric where, Griffin, yeah, yeah, when I was here, you know, seeing the real act, you know, those big acts. So in this show, I had David Letterman and Jay Leno were both, you know, unknowns, you know, to the national audience at yeah. this particular time. And, uh, you know, so we had, you know, there were a lot of people when I, when Brad Gray, you know, I know yeah. Brad, the late, great Brad Man. Gray, can't believe he's, uh, he's gone. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Brillstein Gray, guy from, who led, uh, led Paramount, right? Yes, he, yeah. was, he was the chairman of uh, and CEO of Paramount for the last 12 years. But I hired him. He was a sort of a sweaty, hustler, right place at the right time kind of guy. And I mm -hmm. love, you know, comedy is my favorite thing. Yeah. So I knew Shandling a little bit. He managed Shandling. Before that, he was really a concert promoter in Buff out of Buffalo with the Harvey and Bob Weinstein. Oh, wow. You know, that's okay. what they did. So, you know, Brad always wanted to sort of do what he's doing, be a manager and a producer. So he also had this guy that I knew from Philadelphia as a, as a college kid who was friends with a cousin of mine, Bob Saget. So, oh, oh, that guy. That guy. Yeah. So Saget, uh, I'll tell you an interesting Saget story in a second. Yeah. So with, so so I, that's how I met Brad through those two guys, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um, you know, and so he had obviously a terrific eye for talent. And then, excuse me, <clears throat> pardon me. Uh, we had um, I I had started a company with a couple other guys called Telepictures. We we acquired Lorimar, made it Lorimar Telepictures. I got to run the studio. The other two guys were in New York. One was a super sales guy. The other guy was a Harvard Business School type guy. Great guys. So uh, we bought, I, I had been wooing the the great Bernie Brillstein to mm -hmm. buy his company. And several people had tried to buy it, big studios, because he represented so many great people. He had Jim Henson and everything from the Henson Farley, world. Belushi, right? And he mm -hmm. had, you know, Lorne Michaels yeah. and the entire, you know, the th that entire original cast. Wow including Belushi, who was his favorite and he thought was the most talented, which I agree. I was with he and Brandon Tartikoff at a breakfast the Thursday before before John died the next day. And then we went back to Bernie's office because John was behaved very poorly at the Polo Lounge at the mm -hmm. Beverly, Beverly Hills Hotel. Wow. And, you know, he was begging Bernie for money. And Bernie used to have a little safe in his office. Yeah. And John was sort of on a, you know, like a, a fifth grader type type of allowance where he oh, had it wow. like, OK, what do you need? What are you going to spend it for? I need wow. twenty five dollars. I'm going to what, what's it for? So he, you know, he, Bernie gave him that money and lived with that guilt afterwards. Bernie, in oh, fact. because he is, purchased whatever. He gave him some money. You know, we, yeah, we, yeah, we, we, we refused tell. and threw, threw him out, uh, Belushi. Then he went down the hallway, came back, you know, uh, 45 minutes later. I was gone from Bernie's offices by then. And Brad wasn't in the company at this right, point. Yeah. There was this guy by the name of Sandy Wernick, who's, you know, is the movie that, that, that Adam. Sandy Wexler, yeah, 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 yeah. Sandy yeah. So um, he talked himself in, in into that. And Bernie had um, the shingles, which he, you know, sort of more stress-oriented yeah. type of thing. 
and and it, he had a nine-month bout. He was incapacitated for six months. He couldn't really move, Bernie, after, you know, John died from the freebasing down the road here. At yeah, the, Chateau Marmont. At the Chateau Marmont. Yeah. But, uh, was Belushi one of the greatest talents you've ever seen? He was fantastic. I yeah. mean, I had nothing to do with his career. Of course. He was a terrific actor, and even though he was a slob in real life, oh, really? he was Blutarski. Yeah. But uh, he, he could play leading roles. You know, in, in movies, he could have. He, he had tremendous talent. And, yeah, and just and someone depth. who you, he used to just sing songs on SNL, but they would be so hilarious. Uh, like, but 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 he he he, he was just singing songs that were on the charts. No, nothing like original songs that were funny or just songs. But how he would do them and how he would move and how he would imitate the singers, which is oh, fantastic. So so incredibly funny. Well, as the Blues Brothers, both of those guys were good. But I mean, his the da- I mean, he could dance. Yeah, he was very yeah. gymnastic, and you know, he he was an amazing guy. And the here's the irony for you, Adam. With Mad TV. So we acquire Brillstein's company. Yeah. I introduce him to Brad at a Natby convention. It's hate at first sight from Bernie towards towards Brad. Yeah. He remind, it, Brad, Brad was Bernie at that same age. So, you know. Right. You can understand. Yeah, sure. But eventually we brought him in. Took about six months. We orchestrated that. And we had tremendous success together. My deal with Bernie was I guaranteed him we would turn Brillstein from a management company into a mini comedy studio. We had... In three years, we had seven successful, you know, sitcoms on the air, and one was with our back to to Saget. So we did this pilot for uh, ABC, and um, it was a very high testing pilot, uh, which was Full House. <laughs> and the highest testing person in the pilot was the guy who played the dad, you know, D- Danny Tanner, is my <laughs> recollection, which is which was not, not Bob Saget, which was not Saget. Yeah, right. It was a different guy. Remember this? It was a different Danny Tanner. Yeah, yeah it was a different. You can look up on YouTube. They shot that original opening sequence with the theme song and all the everything, all the things of San, of San Francisco, and you see this guy who's not Bob Saget. I can't imagine it not being Saget. Well, now sure, but at the time, I mean, you say he's the highest testing guy. There was a cleaner, he, more wholesome, white, skinny, tall dude. <laughs> there was, and he wasn't Jewish. You know, that was, oh man! So well, that's we, why it didn't work. We sold the show <laughs> off the pilot. Yeah, it was ordered. And um, near the near the time we were supposed to shoot, I went to above the guy. This was a guy named Brandon Stoddard, who was president of entertainment at that time at ABC. Over this, uh, ultimately, he he ended up leaving ABC. Wow! Uh, by you know, sort of one one generation removed. So we, uh, I went to the guy. The, the company had been purchased by Capital Cities, and the guy who was my my rabbi in life, the guy who was my mentor in my career was a guy by the name of Don McGannon. Mm-hmm. And Don McGannon's sort of younger brother type protege was a guy by the name of Tom Murphy. And Murphy was the CEO of Cap Cities a- ABC. And he used to come, when he would come into town, I'd pick him up at the airport. Right. We, we owned, I had bought from, from Ted Turner through Mike Milken, along with my partner, Dick Robertson. We bought the real MGM studios, which are now Sony studios, which we sold to Sony in the, in the nineties. We no bought shit. it from Ted Turner and Mike Milken. And, and so we were very close to the airport and Tom uh, Murphy was super frugal and I would pick, he wouldn't take a limo or a cab. 
this guy's the CEO of this big Jeez. entertainment empire. Wow. <laughs> and I would pick him up and like drive him to ABC. They had the Twin Towers yep. in Century City and, you know, mm-hmm. great, big advantage in doing business. Yeah. So uh, wh- what, what happened was I told him, I said, you know, I don't know how we do this, Tom, but I have another guy who's going to be a major breakout for you. And you're going to thank me one day for this. His name is Bob Saget. So we we Brad, and, he does, and he does a great voice of a guy getting hit in the nuts, which I think will come in handy later exactly. for a clip show. Uh, I well, this, here's the thing: had so, you seen? I don't. I need to know where did you see Saget that made that gave you so much belief in him? I'd seen him do stand up, but you know okay. he wasn't. He don't tell him. I hope he doesn't hear this. I didn't think he was that good a stand up. Sure, where, you know, like Gary had his own unique thing and that timing with the pauses. Right, and, Gary and, Shandling. Yeah, 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 he could do pull my finger jokes and they were still great. Right, but. Uh, uh, you know, so he had a voice and a whole point of view. Bob was very smart and very clever, but not like a laugh out loud comic like Letterman in the seventies. You know, would just crush. I saw him. No, he, no. I saw him, and he 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 was he was a thinking man's comic. You right. know, that type mm-hmm. of thing. Like yep. like Bob Newhart, a generation before. There's a pause, and then the laugh. Jay was much yeah. funnier. The guy who, yeah. who, who would kill. I mean, Robin. You know, on a good night. Maybe the greatest ever. Yes. But uh, there was this guy, Tim Thomerson, who you may not have heard no, of. So no. Tim Thomerson looked like the a handsome lifeguard uh, surfer guy. Blonde, blue eyes, blonde hair, you know, you know, nicely, you know, sure. six pack, the yep. whole thing. Great tits, right? And great. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. It, Male tits. He had great mitts. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> That's great. Uh but Thomerson was like like Robin. He could pound you till you couldn't breathe, and you're like had to cross your legs. I mean, he just pissing the. And pants. he was also good, Fun. good at comedy. Yeah, yeah. he was good. Yeah. <laughs> he was great. Um, but wait. but Saget was better as an MC because right. he could play off the crowd and triangulate that, with the with the artist who just finished or was coming out. Better okay. host. So yeah. he was better. He really had, I thought, major hosting chops. So when we put him in the show, the show was a success. Yeah, you know, and uh, became a tremendous success. Yeah, Full House. J- John Posey. John Posey. How did you know that? Because uh, I, I have this thing called the internet. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's, it's, I remember it was John. I'll show it to you one time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tons of tits After on here. Out of, <laughs> so much tits. <laughs> it's hard to get past the tits, but once you get past about two and a half billion tits, you get to John Posey. <laughs> there's TNA and there's TNM. Tits yeah. and myths. <laughs> exactly. For, for certain part of the audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It, yeah it, Wait, so, po- so Posey was who? The guy that got replaced? Yeah. 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 That He was the original Danny Tanner. He How did that conversation go down? Did it take a lot of convincing on your part or were you like look no, this guy's well I convinced Murphy Murphy said I trust you but this could cause problems so we never had this conversation yeah so eventually Stoddard heard about this and was just you know I wouldn't, wouldn't talk to me did Bob have to screen test no we put him in wow. we, no what we did was there was a there was a Richard Pryor movie called Critical Condition Mm-hmm. And Bob had one really good scene in the movie. Oh, so you showed him the tape. And this, we did this with Miller Boyette, who are like two of the all-time great. Come on, yeah, yeah, resp- come Family on. Matters, um, right. everything, all yeah. of our shows. Well, the whole TGF lineup, right? Everything that Gary Marshall did was really based on Tom's life because uh, Richie Cunningham was Tom. No that kidding. That was Tom. Grew up in Milwaukee. Oh and, wow! And that was his life story. That was the kind of uh, of a life. And he, he had. knew a guy who could uh, punch a jukebox and make it work. Yeah, exactly. Wait, Tom Thomerson. No, 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 Tom. Not we moved on from mitts. Forget Tim <laughs> Thomas. <laughs> we've we've moved on from great tits, Tom. Huh? All right. So sorry to keep jumping. No, that's fine. But we. Uh, so what happened was when Stoddard found out, he wouldn't talk to me. 
And then the crowning thing was that ABC couldn't get arrested on on Fridays. Mm-hmm. Forever, well, huh? Well, our show, we had Dallas, the number one show on TV. And then we had Falcon Crest after that. And so Tartikoff, uh, you know, who I went back to when we both were like promotion managers. And he worked for me, Brandon, you know, briefly. Yeah. Wow. I, I miss this guy. He's one of the all-time talents. His I mean, book was amazing. I mean, for those of you who don't know, I mean, the guy responded. I mean, he was running NBC when it was, um, what, Cosby Cheers. Um, yeah, and sort of, and sort of uh, orchestrated the the family ties. What was tor- his line? The tor- right, the I torch mean, passing from Johnny too. Right? Didn't he kind of was he? He, I, I think I, that it might have happened just after he left when, okay. when Littlefield, I think, brought in. Oh, that's yeah. Right. Okay, I'm trying. I'm trying to remember that book that I read. So uh, late yeah, shift. The, the la- oh, okay. Because yeah. he wrote well, his book. Brandon's book was like the the last great ride or yeah. something with mm-hmm. the, something with ride. Yeah. Well, the, the show that helped him turn it around was, uh, in my opinion, was Real People. Yeah. And then and then Cosby came on and yeah. blew it out. You know, and then they had Thursdays and then Vince Manzi came up with this, you know, must-see TV thing. And But on Fridays, Brandon then eventually came up with um, Miami Vice, which yeah. was, you know, critics darling. Sure. Crushed, young huh? Demo- It crushed, but we kicked its ass. I mean, every year with, da- I mean, Dallas was. Well, invincible. Dallas is, the Who Shot JR episode is what? Is, is, is it still the top rated single television episode? I think it's number one or two or three. Yeah. Right? It's right up there. Yeah. But so what happens is I'm in the car with Murphy one time coming from the airport from New York where he lived and he lived in Rye. He actually lived two blocks apart when I was running this company in New York. That's sort of how I got to know Tom and through this guy Dom again. So he says, let me ask you a question. You guys own Friday nights, and you've got this crazy relationship with CBS. What would it take to get you to bring us your shows first? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, it would have to be in comedy. It can't be in drama because of the CBS deal. And he said, well, right. wh- what should I do on, on, on Fridays? Because my guys here can't figure it out. And I said, well, do TGIF. Do, the, the, do something that's kids co-viewing family comedy you know and we'll supply all the shows so he did it you know so we had we had full house mm-hmm. we had um, family matters family matters step by step step by step and perfect strangers those were the four. <laughs> oh my god each oh my. one each yeah. one ran seven or nine years so i mean it was literally worth it's unheard of billions for us yeah so as a as a favor to him for doing this to us for us he he had a problem with uh with this guy I used to work with at Westinghouse, Vin DeBono, one of the true gentlemen of the business, fantastic guy, and he had that show, Vin, and they needed a new host, and I said, I've got the guy. And he said, who is it? And I said, it's it's Saget. And Saget got that job. And that was America's Funniest Home Videos. Yeah, and in return for that, he gave us, they gave us like mid-season, two-year renewals on all four shows. So, I mean, it was a fair trip. It's it's always amazing to me when I hear stories like that, that when I hear executives talking, because, I mean, it's it, it's sort of like doctors talking casual about the lives of their patients <laughs> where I hear executives talking casual like, oh, okay, well, I'll tell you what, I'll do this for you and then you put this guy in your show and then you, and then you get a show. Like, f- for the actors and for the directors and producers and writers and everyone else involved in those shows, that's their life. That the and these deals are being made in 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 a car, on a golf course, over lunch, just like, oh, okay, yeah, tell tell you what we we will pick up that show it, that it's it's insane to me that that sort of that the lives of all these people hang hang in the balance of a couple couple guys and girls just 
making a couple quick decisions. I don't it's, remember. It's unbelievable. I don't it's remember crazy, my mom yeah. or stepdad's birthday, but I remember the TGIF theme song, and that should just <laughs> tell you how impactful that whole like. I mean, gonna have some fun, show you how it's done. TGIF, like, give me a break. Like, that just was like, you know, catchy, upbeat. And that was kind of very, I feel like, um, you know, uh, it, it tied to the program that you guys put on. Now, I just venture to wonder, were those shows like all, when you get Family Matters and Perfect Strangers, are you just like, oh yeah, these are home runs, like no-brainers? Or were there other shows that were in the mix that you were battling for? Or like, was there another Family Matters style show or another show that could have been in there or, or how does that work we well Bernie Brillstein who was I've mentioned a couple of times had all these great sayings and it was like the William Goldman the great novelist who write, has written a lot about the industry and it's the line nobody knows you know so I remember yeah. one time I was at Warner Brothers with Bob Daly and Terry Semmel when they were running that place and um they uh, they said, you, you know, we got this movie here and, you know, one of us thinks it's unreleasable and the other one thinks it's pretty good. Uh, what do you think about, you know, you got a couple hours. Of, we'd love to have you watch it and tell us what you think. It, so it was Beetlejuice. <sighs> Beetlejuice was their biggest movie of the year. They didn't have a particularly, you know, good, good year, Warner Brothers. But, I mean, if guys that smart yeah. really didn't know. And, yeah. you know, what do I know? I mean, it's just, you know, one person's opinion. But with, um, you know, with these different shows, it, it, it was it, it's it's really hard to tell. You sort of really don't know what's like with, I'll tell you, the, the Olsen twins. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the way you cast young kids, as you know, in the business is you always have to have twins because one can get sick. Right. They, and there were child labor laws. So, right. And they were. So we had. There were two of them, right? Because John Oliver is convinced there's a conspiracy. <laughs> that there's only one. one. No, there's definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. OK, you heard you heard it here, Oliver. Yeah. <laughs> Breaking news. Breaking there is news. two Olsen twins. <laughs> So together they weigh the same as one. Yeah. <laughs> but there are two Salzman. People. Okay. Salzman from downtown. One for 400. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's it. Hey, how take... about that guy Aaron Judge? Did you, he hit, he's he's Fuck. hit nine out of the last 10 at bats. I mean, your baseball boner is through the roof right now. Four, like... four home runs, yeah. nine out of his last 10 at bats, something like 14 of his last 17 at bats. This guy's, he, he's yeah. all, I mean, he's the most exciting player in baseball. How, and he's a Yankee. How excited are you? I'm not, I'm not a Yankee fan. Oh, what, Right, Mets? but I mean like for baseball. Oh, for baseball. Yeah, right. yeah. What, Mets? Yeah, I'm a Brooklyn Dodgers yeah. fan. Come oh, on. Brooklyn. Yeah. Okay. So. Not, not L.A. Dodgers. <laughs> well, um, uh, I hate to break this news to you, but they, they moved. <laughs> they moved. <laughs> and I happen to be here. Yeah. It's a curse. Wait, so who do you, who, where is your uh, alliance, uh, allegiance, whatever the word is, uh, what is that? In baseball? Yeah. In most sports, it's Pittsburgh yeah. and mm -hmm. Detroit, because I'm a blue-collar guy, That's so they right. reminded me of Brooklyn. Gotcha. gotcha. And uh, I lived in Detroit for six years. It's really where my career took off. And and I lived in Pittsburgh twice. You know, and, and Westinghouse was based in Pittsburgh. We had kids born in these different cities, so, and know and know the owners of, you know, of the team, so... Oh, the, that's nice. The Roonies? Do you know the Roonies at all? Know the Roonies very well. Dan Rooney just died recently. Yeah. He was the considered, you know, the gentleman, the, the, the best owner of all professional sports teams. Yeah. Extraordinary uh, guy. You, Amazing. You did mention to me, and we have, you know, there's a lot of stories that we're going to put pins in um, as far as like, you know, Will Smith, Alf, 
Urkel. These are all stories that you've told me uh, that I need to be that need to be repeated for the listeners because they're incredible. And the Olsen twins. And the yeah, well, well, yeah. let's finish that one, and then yeah. I want to get back to Detroit and your 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 beginnings. Okay, but let's let's finish the anyone. I feel like you're. That's an immediate ticket to hell if you're trying to take somebody off of an Olsen twin story tangent. This, this is not. It's true. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> potentially career ending. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're forced to watch uh, their movie, The New York Minute, <laughs> sixteen times in a row if you somehow sway someone from a story. That is torture. <laughs> All right. So they. Very simply, what happened we, on a Saturday? Yeah. We brought in thirty-two sets of twins: Tom, Tom uh, Boyette, uh, Tom Miller, excuse me, and Bob Boyette, mm-hmm. and uh, and myself and our wonderful casting people, and uh, we looked at them and uh, we we had a vote. So mm-hmm. Tom Miller and I voted for the Olsen twins, and Bob voted for these two two little girls that looked like Brooke Shields. You know, they were wow. just gorgeous yeah. you know stop a clock pretty yeah mm-hmm. and tom and i thought these other two little girls looked like trolls they were redheaded <laughs> both parents were redheaded you know mm-hmm. and so probably they'd stay redheaded and they just you know they just had that fate they were cu- cute but kind of ugly cute yeah and uh, we went with them and which you know, hey some turned, networks love that it turned disney out, it, channel loves ugly cute yeah yeah so um, it, it, it it turned out to work out real well what but. was it about the olsen twins that really stuck i mean they i mean for me and i'm sure everyone can attest like watching them on that show you're like these babies have incredible comedic timing right <laughs> i mean like but but i mean there were people off to the sides giving them lines and more or less yeah <laughs> well you know at that age they you know they were seven months old they weren't even talking Oh, that's right. So oh, you couldn't start. really tell. Yeah. So you wanted to see, I mean, could they make eye contact? Did they seem Yeah, what do you look for in a baby actress? It was just... It What's was, your motivation? Just a lucky choice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... For is, them and for us. Is, yeah. that, is, is, that, is that something that whenever... Uh, was it Miller that, that wanted the other kids? Boyad. Boyad. Yeah. When, 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 whenever they did, would you be like, well, you should listen to me because I picked the right Olsen twins. Like, and Yeah, that's bargaining chips. Sure. You can't do that. You know, yeah. you know, revisionist history, you know. Yeah. Success oh, has many fathers for sure. Yeah, and there's going to be a lot of hits and a lot of misses. You talk about no, you talk about no one really knows. I mean, hell, I mean, you're a big sports guy. How many of how many of us watch the drafts where the experts are going on? This yeah. is the can't miss. Jamarcus Russell will change football, but then, Russell Wilson will destroy it. Yeah, I mean, and yeah. then you know Tom Brady goes in whatever round. Like it, it's he was, I think, the last or next to last guy drafted out of everybody. Yeah, yeah. I saw. Brady play in person at Michigan University of Michigan and he uh, he was nothing I mean he was a handoff artist you know because it was three three yards in a cloud of dust you know boring Big Ten football yeah and he looked like if any pro type player ever hit him they'd literally break him in half and it, he had the you know the cute face the little boy face and yeah everything. And he just, turns out to be a stud yeah it, it it's you never know. unbelievable I mean is that and does that go when you're casting a show like uh, or you're creating the Fresh Prince where you're well I, I, I have oh, more sorry. Olsen twin questions oh pff, of course you do <laughs> I mean fire away I need to know like once they got to like three and four you know again because it's the same thing with and I've told uh, you know uh, now homie Jaleel White how in awe I was of his talent at that age you know what I'm saying like timing comedic timing like I felt like I could you know in fourth grade like slip the whoopee cushion under my teacher's chair in the right moment <laughs> knowing when he was going to sit down and like get a big laugh but like to do some of the, the the turns that these kids were making so like with the Olsen twins at like four they're getting 
they're probably like going over lines, but then is there someone always off camera to shout it out before you would shoot, or like how was how was that working? Well, when they were <clears throat> when they were three or f- or four, one of them had a heavier lift. He sort of spoke like this, yeah, which is cute for a little girl, adorable. Mm-hmm. And the other one had l- less of it, so you had a that was a little tricky because you know you had a. You could tell the difference. Would you have we to could. ADR in a lisp? <laughs> well, we did. We did a little bit of that. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, you know, and one of them was a better actor, and you know, didn't cry as much and stuff like that. So you would have coach. The, you have these great support people. Yeah, who are on the side and giving them lines, and you take it again, and you would throw them a line, but say it this way. But you know, look down and then look up when you say this, and then you know, flutter your, you know, your your, your eyelashes. Yeah. And they, they were turned out to be, you know, pretty natural at it. The guys were fantastic. I mean, Stamos is a wonderful guy, and Coulier, and Coulier, all you know, three, yeah. three yeah. great guys, you yeah. know, and they were like fathers. And w- when we came up with this idea for a show, which was really Miller and Boyette and this this other guy yep. who you know, uh, Jeff Franklin, Jeff Franklin, I just it met really, him at a New Kids concert. Yeah, it was really, it was really, in my opinion, Jeff's idea. Probably Tom and Bob will punch me when they yeah. see me. <laughs> but um, th- th- what what happened was that um, so he came up with this idea, and it seemed like a great idea. And we, you know, we cast these different people, and you know, we, Candace Cameron was Kirk Cameron was, uh, you know, the the, the kind of teeny bopper tiger beat kid yeah mm-hmm. and this was his younger sister so we figured we'll we'll get some press out of that growing pains was on the air at that point yeah yes growing yeah. pains was on but then we there was there were these kmart commercials back when kmart was what walmart is today yeah right? and there was this unbelievably talented little girl who was the middle the middle sister yeah. and we got her and we thought she would be the breakout of the three kids Jody really? Sweden yeah Jody mm-hmm. and uh, but it was just a wonderful group of people and you know like a family and it it, 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 it worked so well casting really is I mean what would you I mean you know best I'm about to like make a statement like I know but you've done it more so like how big of the pie is it really for the whole it's success yeah. I think on television in I think it's much bigger on TV than movies. One because it's a series, and you have, yeah, to, you have keep to going, keep doing and you, it, over and you and over have again. a relationship with the audience. But television, as we know, especially comedy on TV, it's a close-up medium. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's it's who when you see someone in life size or now today with big flat screens, obviously they're they're you know they're even bigger. Yeah, you, I, know. You, I look five feet. You, <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> on some TVs, I'm like, wow, that's what it would look like. That's nuts. Can I take that cardboard cut out to Six Flags and finally get on the fucking Riddler coaster? <laughs> this man is shit. too tough on himself. <laughs> but casting, and, and you've been around for some of the biggest castings in TV history. I mean, Candace Cameron on Full House, Will Smith on Fresh Prince, Adam Ray on the new Mad TV. I mean, these are the things. <laughs> these I, th- are- <laughs> I thought he was going to say maybe like LL Cool J in, in the House, which was what? Our, our show. That was our show. Yeah. I should have said that. Great for guy. real. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Please tell me that LL is as cool as he... He, to me, seems like a, a Regis Philbin type guy where I'm like, I feel like every time you see him on TV, he is what you see. And you get what you get. It's Just true. a great dude. One of the one of the nicest guys. By the way, that's a pairing I'd like to see. LL, Cool J, and Regis. <laughs> Some sort of a beach cop show. Well, I mean, if... Re- Regis would like that. He yeah. Would like that. If Martha Stewart and Snoop could do a show together, we could certainly bring Regis in... Regis and LL. Regis and LL. Yeah. That'd be great. I put Martha Stewart on the air for the first time. 1980. What? All right. Okay. Go on. Yeah. How does that... 
happen? So uh, what happens is she's, uh, I created this news service. Mm -hmm. In the old days, back in the Stone Age, (laughs) uh, when there were three big networks, ABC, NBC, and CBS. Right. And news was huge. You know, Walter Cronkite, Hartley Brinkley, you know, everybody, Dan, then later Dan Rather. Yeah, everyone had their anchors, right? Yeah, and and America stopped because 70% of the news that people got, they were getting from TV, and most of it was from these big national newscasts. So what they would do to shake you down if you owned a network affiliate was to be able to excerpt, say, CBS News. Yeah. Uh, You had to pay them for something we would call the junk feed. And then you could excerpt these things, particularly for your 11 o'clock news, because the 11 o'clock news used to be this is what happened at the end of the day. There was world news, national news, local news, weather, sports. Mm-hmm. And um, so most of the stuff was garbage. And, you know, the stories that it's like they didn't make it onto the, the air for the network for good reason. They were right. boring and they sucked, you know. <laughs> so we, I created a news service to compete with the network's. And what we did was, I was one of the people who was there when we invented eyewitness news. So we put, we cre- we were the first station to do ENG, which was electronic news gathering. It used to be on film, so we would live, you know. Yeah. And then eyewitness news, you would eyewitness, you know, the crash on the bridge or the protest or whatever it was. It created that immediacy that you know that really really worked. Which is so key for news is getting yeah. on the air first. So we used to do this, in those days, groundbreaking interest inventory research, and it turns out that most people, which we now sadly have learned since we're a semi-literate society, yeah. <laughs> didn't care about all the big things, you know, the big issues. They were interested in, like, how do I save money, celebrity news, what's the latest, you know, health scare, what's sure. the latest health breakthrough. So we, game, yeah. so we took all those features, those things, and created this extra stuff. So I figured, well, one of the things, you know, more than half the people in the United States are female. What's in the news for them? They don't want, you know, if it, if, if, if it bleeds, it leads. They don't want the blood and guts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They want stuff that's more like home, uh, food, yeah. uh, entertaining, you know, fashion. Yep. So uh, there, this, there was this guy named Rick Hashagan who was an agent at ICM in New York. And I said to him, and so I went to all the you know agencies. CAA was fairly new in those days. I went to Ovitz, and you know, like, who do you have? And so this guy, Rick, says, "You got to meet this Martha Stewart. She, you're going to love her because you're you're like an ethnic guy from Brooklyn. She's a Polish Catholic girl from New Jersey, and wow. she's got this new book. And they've glammed her up. She married some guy in Westport, Connecticut." And she's, you know, crossing over, but she's really like your kind of people. Because I said, I don't want some elitist person. No. I want someone, you know, that's going to yeah. connect. Who's raw like yeah. you are. Well, That blue collar kind of yeah. mentality. Yeah, exactly. So she had this new book called Entertaining, which was a coffee table book, was her first coffee, her first book. And so I went with her to her new house in Westport, uh, Connecticut, which I knew very well. It was actually the town next to where Don McGannon lived. In New Canaan, and we went out to the house, and it was very nice. And she was really good. She showed, you know, how you do a centerpiece and how you do. But it was from the mentality of, you don't have the money and time and access that all all money can buy. You could. This right. is what an average person could do. And we so we put her on. You know, we would do some features with her, and um, you know, and the rest of it is all you know the success that, that, that she had. That really is appealing because it's like if you're like, look, I want to make turkey meatballs from scratch for my Thanksgiving pre-dinner, 
but I only have Sour Patch Kids, a breakfast burrito, <laughs> and half a piece of beef jerky. How do I do that? And Martha's like, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Here's how you do it, and I'll do it in seven minutes. Yeah, well, because that, that, that's always the complaint about a lot, a lot of the cooking shows they, is they just say, okay, and then get some some ingredient that's rare, like you rare, have it. rare and expensive, and just throw it in, and put the, the, and then they just put it in the oven, then, and then it comes out like this. And you're like, no one can fucking do that. It's, I know. It's why, the, it's why the pothead cooking show we did for Mad was so perfect because it's bake, like, oh, bake my bake day. Bake my day. Yeah. It's because it was so relatable because like, oh no, that's how every cooking show should be, more yeah. or less. Exactly. It was just a little less prepared. That's amazing. Was um, So then seeing her rise to stardom, you, I mean, that's insane. I mean, being... Yeah, it was, it, it, it's, it's great for her. We were pretty good friends throughout the 80s. Yeah. You know, and, and we sort of, you know, lost lost touch. But there was were a, a lot of people like that. No, no, all work. Did you know, she? Uh, one of the did really she write, did she write you in prison? Right, <laughs> but I'll tell you why I think that whole M clone thing happened. Yeah, is that you know coming from Brooklyn where you're you know you're living in you know in a six hundred square foot apartment with your parents mm-hmm. and your brother. This is you. Uh, you know that th- th- there's this drive. I mean, you know, you had nothing. And it's not some people, maybe you're never satisfied, but you, you know, you just have this work ethic that you, you know, have to earn sure. it. And in her, in her world, she's, I think she's still the girl from, from, you know, from, from New Jersey, yeah. mm-hmm. a, a, a not nice suburb in New Jersey, you know, like a poor, a poor neighborhood. Wow. And that's, that's, I think the, the big drive for her. And there are a yeah. lot of people in our business, the high school that I went to in Brooklyn, uh, was called Erasmus Hall. It was a public high school. Yeah. And it was the second oldest high school in America and the largest student body in the United States. And so people who went there, some of them didn't graduate, but, you know, are people like uh, Barbara Streisand, Neil Diamond, uh, David Geffen. Anybody famous? Uh, or, yeah. But but a whole, lots <laughs> of insane. other people. Like when I was there, Gabe Kaplan was there, Donnie Moose. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it's, you know, so large, that's why there was so much, so sure. much talent. So what, when you look at some of these people, uh, they all come from that same background where they're working as hard as they ever did. A lot of them are billionaires. Sure. And they're, and they're still, going out yeah. for their third third farewell tour or, or whatever. There's just this drive. There, well, there, there's, a, there's a work orientation. David Geffen does need to add another 20 feet to his yacht. I mean, that's <laughs> that's the goal. So he's I, actually, you know, there are a lot of bad stories about Geffen. I, I think he's a really good guy. Who, who of all those... Um, entertainers um, whether you have a connection to them or not are you most uh, inspired by because I feel like I mean you I would put you in that boat of people that has done so well has so much success and still trying to create you know and still trying to move and shake and, 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 and create the next thing and find the next crop of talent and so like who do you um, who do you look to in the entertainment world that like I mean you just mentioned a handful of people but that really like I just saw Celine Dion in Vegas and that to me was bonkers I'm like there's no reason for her to continue to Seeing and I later found out seeing the show, I was like, oh, she also does 15 to 22 minutes of improvised stand-up comedy in between each song. So maybe that's why she's doing another tour because she's like, she was making Celine Dijon jokes while she was wearing a yellow uh, dress. And I was like, okay, you know. Very nice lady. We The she, sweetest. Her debut in the U.S. was on the Mike Douglas show. So I remember when she was, was you know, a teenager and you could say, wow, it's like when the first time you see Whitney Houston and people like that. They showed old videos of her during a montage uh, of her show in Vegas, which I can't recommend enough it was unbelievable but like i was like oh man some people i feel like like a dave Chappelle or a, a will smith which i'm sure you can tell us about like you just see and you're like oh from the get-go this person was just oozing yeah superstardom yeah well with will i would i would give 
Quincy, the you know the, the, right. the credit there, Quincy and, Jones, right? And he, um, Will, fabulous guy, you know, really listened to people, you know, uh, an inquisitive guy, and when he started to get offers for parts, I remember when he got six degrees of separation, and he right. had some other thing that was more money where he'd be the star, and it was kind of a junky film, and yeah. we do nothing. And, uh, you know, we said to him, you know, this is don't, you know, don't, you know, go too far over your skis type of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this will be really great. You'll be working with wonderful people. And it's a great part. Uh, you're going to learn. And he did he did everything. He did everything right. He has great instincts. He was a wonderful guy. And then when we like whenever you'd have the rap party, even when he did like his deal was only a five year deal. Mm -hmm. And everybody around him was telling him, hey, man, you know, like move on yeah and yeah. you know we went to him and said hey look you know you got all these people that you've worked with from the beginning when you were sort of one of them now you're a big star and uh they're all depending on you you know we we'd like to do at least one more year and he said i'm in you know and that wow that you know that was it. and he's got a great partner the you know jl yeah lock you know james and um you know so he's great of all the of the older ones uh though i have no relationship with him now Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, the, the guy I find very inspiring was was Neil Diamond. I'll tell you why. It's a little bit like a King's Speech type of story. It's sure. Than okay. anybody's seen that movie. So he lived uh, across the street, and his brother, his younger brother Harvey, who uh, has passed, uh, was like me. You know, we were always playing ball. We were across from this place called the Parade Grounds, which is where we saw Koufax and Pepitone and Holy uh, Rico Petroselli and all these guys played that you wow. know became major leaguers. Literally a half a block from where we were, Westminster Road and Caton Avenue in Brooklyn. So, <clears throat> what happened was Neil's parents. So Neil was had no friends. He was very shy. He was always stayed in his apartment in 30, 35 Westminster Road. What about Caroline? He didn't... Well, it... no, well none of this had happened. This, this, yeah. is, this, oh, is, this is when is... he's bar mitzvah age. <laughs> so his dad... 13-year-old Neil Diamond. Didn't even have a rabbi as a friend? His, <laughs> well, his dad came from an Orthodox family. Gotcha. His father's name was Akiba, but everybody called him Kivi. But he wanted to be... He, his parents... My mother, who is, God willing, going to be 102... What? Uh, next month. Oh, Mrs. Salzman. Rose Salzman. Rose Salzman. Neil Diamond's mother, Rose Diamond, still alive and the same age, within a year of my mother, I think a year younger than my mother. Rose Diamond. But hit, wow. And th that was their, you know, I mean, in the old country, there was another name, but that was you no know, their real name, not a, you know, a showbiz name. Mm -hmm. So they, they both were... His dad was very handsome and was like a Jose Greco type of professional flamenco dancer with the you know the pants and the whole thing and the oh, yeah. thin mustache. No, it's Brad's Great go to dancer. bed outfit. Yeah, sure, exactly, exactly. I have one too. Hey, amen. Sometimes I've got with a black top and white bottom and <laughs> yeah. white top and black. It's you gotta have you all the options. And, uh, and you got and you gotta put that pencil on John Waters' mustache. You I think you, that's it. You just have to. Yeah, and, and you've always said that. You know, sure. My book. So, so what happens is that Neil, uh, you know, didn't play ball, didn't play cowboys and Indians, you know, kind of isolated man. himself. Yeah, yeah, very isolated. And so when my bar mitzvah came, uh, his mother, they had they had a dance school about eight blocks away from where we lived and they would teach, you know, people to dance. So his mother taught me how to, you know, do the, the bar dance at the bar mitzvah yeah. rose. 
Well, we're going to have a video of that later. Movie star, good looks, beautiful, mm -hmm. you know, and very nice people. So what happened is that, so Neil didn't get bar mitzvah because he, he couldn't appear in front of people. You know, Stage so fright. I, wow. Yeah, I don't even know if he That's ever severe. learned Hebrew or anything like that. Yeah. So here's what happens. His, his father had all these different schemes and big dreams, and most of them didn't work. And they had this dry goods store around around the corner where you'd buy like Hanes underwear, but seconds. You know, you get a box of twelve. Wait, you know, seconds. So people would try them on. No, no, no. But get they know they're on them, bring they're, them back. No, they're factory seconds. Oh, okay. So like okay. something is you know wrong. Oh, no, right. Just knockoffs. They were in pla yeah. or, plastic. No, no, right. they're the real thing. But they maybe they printed it a large on a medium, and they go, "We can't sell this." Yeah, they, or the you know the label or the, you know the stripes are a little off. Something. Okay. Something's a little off. The pee yeah. hole's not big enough. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. Well, for me, they made a pee hole in the butthole, and I they're still like, wear right. those. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> fits just perfect. Pee hole butthole underpants. Yeah, sure. That's a commercial for them. Reversibles. Uh, <laughs> I've been peeing out of the back since 1952. Yeah. <laughs> so he, you know, they eventually moved out of the neighborhood. Yeah. But before that, you know the song Brooklyn Roads? Yes. So so Neil starts going, I don't think he went to college, but I'm not sure. Uh, his brother did. So he, he starts going to New York to Tin Pan Alley and hanging out and writing songs and trying to get people to look at them. And, and he you know, eventually obviously has you know great success like in 65 66 with Ch cherry cherry and some of the other ones but brooklyn roads i used to deliver meat for hollander's butcher yes above hollander's butcher there was you know like what we have now mixed use there was an apartment there were apartments above there was this family the ergangs and i was friends with this guy mark ergang who were there. they were first cousins with the diamonds and when they ran out of money and couldn't pay to live at th around the corner of 35 Westminster Road. They shared an apartment above Hollander's Butcher, which is in the song, The Butcher Show. Yeah, okay. And, you know, so I mean, so this guy knew poverty and deprivation and broken dreams and was was cr chronically shy. He ends up being Neil Diamond, you know. Jesus. So, and with the career that, that this guy's had, when, and, you know, so it's, it's it, th that's inspirational that you can... You can that. overcome these phobias, perhaps. Mm -hmm. I love that that resonates. I love that sure. that resonates with you, and that is like, I mean, at what stage does he get the confidence and just the the, um, you know, the awareness to be like, all right, I can't maybe isolate myself like this anymore? Because you said he was doing that from a lot of things, like, or, but is that when he would find comfort in music or? I think in the early years, you know, when you'd go on American Bandstand and yeah. the local the local dance shows. He he lip synced because most people lip synced in those days. Right. They didn't really have the, the money, yeah. and you know, the, and that gave him comfort. And then eventually, he just uh, amazing. It was the Cold August Night album that he did here at the Troubadour. You know, always playing small venues until he you know got the the confidence and the chops, and he went out there and. As I say, I, have, I haven't had contact with him for decades, yeah. so uh, we're not friends or anything. Well, but I can hit him up on Facebook guy. right now if we want to. <laughs> no, some sort of get him on the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, are you kidding me? Amazing. Yeah, I would just I, I would do a horrible impression to him the entire the entire time. Just that's it. <laughs> yeah, if you get him on, ask him how he went from having a Brooklyn accent to this sounding like he was country western. Right? He's got that. <laughs> what are you talking yeah, about, yeah. there, David Salzman? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just an old boy from Brooklyn. Everybody. <laughs> Everybody knows it. <laughs> Love on the rocks ain't no surprise. <laughs> Very good, you guys. Yeah. Are, wow. Hey, who knew I had a diamond in? Yeah, all right. <laughs> I had no idea. Is it? Is there a? Um, now, one thing that I'm super curious about that I didn't even know until uh, I think after we became uh, friends is that the amount of talk show um, work that you've been involved with producing the uh, Jenny Jones show. Um, 
that uh, Magic Johnson uh, show, right? Uh, no, we did not. Vibe. No, Magic vibe. was against us. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and you and you won. <laughs> yeah, we won, but we. Uh, I, I I I like to not say bad things about people, but our friend Sinbad, who yes, sure. Quincy and I knew forever, and we thought he was really a very funny guy, and absolutely had done things with him that he. He begged us to be on the show, and once he was on the show, he did everything he could to be off the show, so mm. we'd still be on. But wow. What is the talk show world like? I mean, I, I'm sure it's you know somewhat different now, but I feel like the formula is still very much the same. Um, it is. What, uh, how does the Jenny Jones show, I mean, because, I mean, you know, I, I, I will admit, I watched hours of that after school. <laughs> well, she's a you know, nice-looking lady, too. Yeah, and, and a pro. A real pro, a surprisingly good stand-up. I so stand-up. What? What? Jenny was a stand-up. Really? Really? Oh yeah. Was I, Phil, you know that? You was pull, Phil Donahue? You're pulling my. No, life. I. I'm having. I had no idea Jenny Jones was a stand-up. Well, I'll tell you what happened. Next thing you're gonna tell me is Ricky Lake was a porn star. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> there was a pause, and I was like, <laughs> "Sweet Lord, oh, we yeah. just hit the motherload," <laughs> which is a movie that Ricky Lake ironically starred in. I always get her confused with Blaze Star, who was also Baltimore, you know, because she, you know, her big break oh, was, yeah. was in Hairspray. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what happens is that every year for the finals, when um, I, I used to go on um, Star Search, mm-hmm. I would be one of the final judges. Okay. What? So uh, the first year, uh, it was uh, Brad Garrett losing to Rick Dickerman. Uh, Rick Dickerman. Dukeman. Dukeman. Okay, I think Brad Garrett won that battle in the yeah, end. I think he won. Yeah. Uh, but so Jenny uh, was one of the winners. She was a winner as a, as a stand-up. So I had seen. So so then Jenny with the show. I go, I'm in Las Vegas for for a convention, and uh, in the hotel they've got uh, the Late Show is it's Mac Davis, and okay. the opening act is I hear there's like this great stand-up. I didn't know it was Jenny whom I already knew. You know, mm-hmm. and it's she comes out and she looks like you know a sex bomb. You yeah, know, just beautiful and and comes out and um, was great. So she opened, but she opened for Wayne Newton when Wayne Newton was number one. She did that for like three years. Wow. And she opened for Sammy when, you know, when Sammy was. Oh, so my she God. Was, She's got she stories. Was, what are we, what has, are we having you on for? We yeah, need to, <laughs> she, I would definitely. Get us Jones, Salzman. <laughs> get rid of me and get her. She has some great stories. That's most incredible. of which she won't tell you because she had difficult experiences being a woman on the road. Sure. Of you know, course. packing a gun and stuff like that because what? shit would happen to people, yeah. you know, like that. Absolutely. You know, so uh so I, I thought she had the chops to be the girl next door, even yeah. though she looked like not the girl next door. Mm-hmm. Uh and uh I knew her background that she'd come from a small town outside of Kitchener in Canada and things like that. Blue collar. And uh no another Polish Catholic girl, you mm-hmm. know. I've done well with Polish Catholic. <laughs> so uh, we went to her and she said, um, you know, I was a great student in Catholic school and I was the kid who came home and did the four hours of homework before I went to the bathroom, had a glass of milk or did anything. So a real nose to the grindstone, hardworking person. And I dug that show too because it covered like... She worked hard. Serious teen bullying issues, but then it had like the paternity test you know, you are not the father stuff, which um, we we started a couple of those things. Yeah. that you know that Maury's still doing at you know at, at age. I think he's 
two years older than my mother, actually, Maury. Oh, that's Maury's. That's Maury's. <laughs> like Maury the way, Povich. The way a vampire feeds on blood, Maury feeds on paternity test results. Absolutely. <laughs> it's amazing. And, and he does it like he's never done it before, and he's surprised. <laughs> Every and, time. You got to tip your hat. There's an art to good. it. <laughs> what? He's, His he's, dad was the, one of the top sports writers in America. Maury Povich. Whose first name was Shirley. Shirley Povich? Shirley Povich. I think you can go to Vegas and pay a dwarf to give you a Shirley Povich. <laughs> Brad actually did. Lord, Lord knows I have. That's actually how I met Brad. <laughs> I went to the uh, massage parlor and they yep. go, do you want a, a deep tissue or a Shirley Povich? Right, right. Mm-hmm. And then they point to a picture of- It uh, has grenadine and a cherry in it. <laughs> darn right. Shirley Every Povich. time, that's how you finish. Uh, what, what makes, because there's been so many people that have tried talk shows. Right? Yeah. You know, where you talk about your- Magic Johnsons, your Keenans, your Chevy Chases, your Bonnie Pat, Hunts, your pa- Bonnie Hunt, Pat Sajak. What make what makes a good talk show host? What's the secret? Well, I think especially for a woman who are in most things judged more harshly than men, that it's, yeah. it's 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 the girl next door kind of quality. So mm-hmm. we had a deal when we were Laura Martella Pictures. There was an agent who I knew from you know from you know right out of college named Beth Uffner who was a phenomenal agent. She was very very successful and she would bring us talent uh so we had she brought us david spade in 1987 and uh and and also ellen and remember through owning brillstein gray we had bill maher and we had mm-hmm. uh you know we had dennis miller who was pretty hot at the time and none of these people we got them all sitcoms ellen i think had two and it, it just didn't work so it's finding you know sort of the right box to put them in yeah and with ellen we thought that uh and i i I have no uh i get no credit for her success as a talk show host (laughs) uh the guy a guy that i helped train ed glavin is you know one of the executive producers and super talented guy who's been with her through the whole thing but you know it's it's a couple of things so she is like that girl next door of course you know with the whole lgbt thing you know and all that that she's the first and she had the guts to come out and Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and then it it, it, to learn the craft because it's like so many things it's like stand-up i mean it looks pretty easy you just go up there you memorize a few jokes you're standing it's so hard the the easier it looks usually the harder it is yeah and the same thing with talk shows so when you had bonnie hunt I never thought she would work. She didn't work. Yeah. When Rosie, before she went nuts, like with with with. Uh, oh yeah, the Rosanna, uh, Rosanna in a talk show, right? You know, Rosie O'Donnell. Oh, oh, Rosie O'Donnell. O'Donnell. Yeah. yeah okay. No, she, no, not, not Rosanna. I, yeah. I said Rosanna. I made a mistake. I, I feel thought. like Rosie's show was O'Donnell. very successful. It was very successful because she was the, also the you know the Irish chubby yeah. Catholic girl from Staten Island, and yeah. she could identify with playing being playing songs about and, loving Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah, and stuff like not that. Not that I watch the show every day after school, <laughs> but then sometimes they you know people get so successful that they don't listen. And I mean Arsenio. You couldn't be bigger than Arsenio was. He hit it exactly at the right time, yeah. and and everybody loved him. He was so he 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 was black enough, and yet the people who would be threatened, where he was unthreatening, and this and that, and then he just sort of went off the deep end. He he did everything wrong after the first few years and lost his audience and his identity. And you know, it's sort of sad because he could have run for literally twenty yeah. years. It, it, it's so strange to have a format where. Like you said, it seems so easy. Come out, do a monologue, talk to a guest, throw to the band, maybe a comedy sketch. Boom, you're home. But it's like in for a guy like Magic Johnson, where you're like, okay, well, that's the most charismatic man on the planet. No problem. He's going to knock this out of the park, and it just 
doesn't work because that's work. that's not that's not what he does. It's not that like, like you say that's not his lane. Pat Pat Sajak not his lane. No. Yeah, but he found his lane. Well, sure. <laughs> and some, some somebody once told me that it was a Filipino man that came up with a woo 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 woo. <laughs> Is that true? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, no, don't I made know that up. It's definitely not yeah, true. I but <laughs> I mean, and but that was trademark. You know, I mean, and, and that to me seems like another big thing in the, the talk show world, right? It's like finding your not only your voice but like that thing that. Um, I don't know that that is consistent. That ha- I mean, whether it's the paternity test results or s- something that is people always know they they're going to see when they go back, uh, and also a live audience thing, right? Like that makes people when they're in town wanting to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like most shows these days have no problem filling up an audience, but like I saw a taping of The Price is Right a few weeks ago, and I was like, I saw some holes. Like that looked weird. Really? Yeah. I mean, it might have been the people that were on stage, but I was like, you wouldn't. It looked like a whole row, and yeah. That's that's amazing because as you know how the way it works here in town is that people you know you bring in audiences you have to yeah. pay for people because there's so many shows that people can so see but many other shows places, have live audiences it's insane. we had once nine successful shows at one time that were Chicago based including Jenny we took Jenny there yeah mm-hmm. uh, a friend of mine was uh, close friends with Jerry Springer two other Brooklyn guys yeah and um, you know and Jerry was going to start. And they moved him from Cincinnati to um, was either Cincinnati or Columbus. I can't remember. Somewhere in Ohio. And, and moved him to the, literally the next studio. And they took some of our staff away from Jenny. So those two shows were next to each other. Two tremendously successful shows with Jenny. What's really interesting about her that I've never experienced before is after 12 years, uh, we could have been on for several more years. Mm-hmm. And she just came in one day and she said, you know... I've done this. Uh, the, the the studio keeps stealing some of my stations, you know, and giving them to launch other shows, and then giving me like the number six station in the market instead of the number one or number two. Mm-hmm. And it's just not fair. I don't know. I don't feel good about it. Mm-hmm. And I've got more money than I ever thought I would have. And I'm not going to do this anymore. And she's never done anything again. Wow, it's amazing. It, it's always amazing at, to at her me. prime. She's still, yeah. you know, to walk away. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it's Barry Sanders and talk show. <laughs> <laughs> and it well, didn't happen. Jenny in Jones is the Barry Sanders of talk of, of talk show hosts. I never thought I'd hear that. Or, or how about Megatron at thirty? Yeah, something like playing for the Lions. You know what? I could make another twenty million a year for at least eight years. Or, but I have to play for the Lions. I think I'll quit. It. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Just Can you blow. believe that? Yeah, that's insane. I, I mean, that's yeah. How do how do you take that as a Lions fan? I mean, it's uh, it, it's that wasn't the end of the of an era, just, but like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it, it 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 it's always amazing to me what keeps. I mean, because I'm I'm shocked that there's not more people like Jenny Jones that just get to a certain point. They go, you know what? I've made enough money. I'm good, and then yeah. just travel or do whatever the heck they want to do for the rest of their life and then there's people like yourself that despite all the successes are still still going like you've got more money than you need like you'll need i mean uh arguably uh but then like the but you what keeps you i don't waking know I saw, up every I saw day? i'm in an uber select on the way over here okay. so that's he's doing pretty well, well with that. yeah yeah uh but like which but like, is the one with seven stops that's yeah. What, what <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> What what makes you wake up every day and go? Yeah, I'm st- I'm still gonna create. I'm still gonna strive. I'm with Mad TV. I'm, to, I'm, I'm to still gonna try to, to make another, bring that back. Yeah, still gonna try to make another hit. I uh, I love it. I just love being with love. You know the the the, the um, 
the commitment to the craft that people have in the mm-hmm. in the industry it it just turns you on you know and the challenge is with all the in the fragmentation of audiences and there are so many things that haven't been done i mean we have about 18 shows in development and they vary i've gotten to do pretty much every every genre i have to say mad tv is probably my it's like the father of 16 kids but he does have a favorite yeah. oh shit so uh, you know because you get to meet people like uh, oh sure the, the, Bobby Lee the less <laughs> the less talented of the two guys Adam Ray son of Sugar Ray son of Ray J yeah <laughs> sure couple rays down the line uh, the, the original Mad TV that was uh, uh, do you mind shedding some light on that uh, sure the, the creation of, of that uh, from the uh, from the ground up that was another that also had roots in Brooklyn so uh, there was a guy I was a fairly good artist I used to like occasionally win first or second in these citywide art things where you're doing murals and oil paintings and stuff like that so I had a scholarship to the Brooklyn Museum which most people like if they haven't been there they think it's a joke museum but it's you know really big time museum yeah and and so um, there was a guy in my art in this art program with me whose whose um, uncle whose mother whose younger brother was William Gaines the guy that started uh, Mad Magazine. Oh, okay. You know, and who, it's a very interesting story because his father was an educator and he had a very severe taskmaster father and he started EC, which stood for, you know, there was DC Comics. Mm-hmm. EC Comics were educational comics. Okay. And his father wanted him to do that and as a, you know, flipping off his dad, he created Mad Magazine and Cracked Magazine and stuff like that. So, you know, I used to read that stuff, you know, and from the time I was about 10 years old and, um, you know, I said to this guy, I'd love to meet, you know, William Gaines. I mean, it'll be like the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. I'd already, mm-hmm. you know, like met Jackie Robinson and like it doesn't get much better than that. <laughs> it does not. So uh, he introduced me uh, to Gaines and, and I said, you know, one day uh, I'm going to come back here and, you know, get a job or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so fast forward that I'd always wanted to do that. Then Steve Ross, the guy who was the, the CEO of Time Warner, another Brooklyn guy, uh, you know, he he bought it because he grew up reading this magazine and left Gaines alone. And, and so when we sold our company to Time Warner, I said to Steve, I said, I want to go, uh, I've always wanted to do Mad Magazine as a TV show. He said, good luck. I mean, those guys are crazy and we don't even talk to them, but we own them and I have this, you know, handshake deal with them that, you know, will never interfere. So uh, I went and I spoke to Gaines. He 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 didn't particularly like the idea. Yeah. Uh, Do you get discouraged from that or? or? No, I wasn't. And, I mean, it, either, those things either just kill you yeah. or or they make you try twice as hard. Totally. Being an idiot, it was the latter for me in this case. <laughs> Which, so, by the way, you have to be an idiot to be in this business. You got to be delusional. And to stay in yeah. It and, yeah. You know and and continue to do things into your you know late 90s sure <laughs> so um so what happened was uh i came up with this idea and uh you know i'd had these wonderful guys working with me at at Lorimore. you know moonves i helped train less less moonves yeah mm-hmm. had a cbs the the, the all time most talented tv executive in the history of the industry I you think. trained him well i i made him head of development Holy and then shit. creative affairs and 
I mean, he, you know, he trained himself. It was a Salieri-Mozart relationship. I was pretty good until Mozart came along. Right. So, I mean, we were the number one company for six straight years, and then I left to do something else, and then Les went into the job and, you know, did even better. Had you not done that, we would not have Survivor. Exactly. You know, and many other things. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, where where were we on this thing? Um, Matt, uh, so you get the... Oh, uh, Mad Magazine. Yeah, yeah. So, no so Peter Chernin was another guy who had worked was working for me. Wow. And then went on to... Uh, and had n- not success with our company. We had the worst movie company in the, in the la- latter half of the 20th century was Lorimar's mo- motion picture company. And, and so Peter was over there at Fox and doing really well. Yeah. Another incredible talent. And so I call him up one day and I said, you know, I, I want to do Mad Magazine and, you know, I want to do it as a late night show. He said, you know, David, we we suck at late night. We've n- <laughs> nothing has worked like we ended Joan Rivers career. You know, yeah. we, wow. we 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 stink. We we aren't we don't even program late night. So go to somebody else. Right. I said, no, I'm going to come in. So he said <laughs> he set me up Stubborn. with a meeting for uh, San, this guy, Sandy Gruschow, who had been their head of marketing and promotion, was very good at that, who was now the new uh, the new president of the network at Fox. And, um, you know, and, you know, like they bought it in the room, which was probably more of a relationship thing than, than anything else. I went and said, here's what it's going to be. It's going to be everything that SNL isn't. There's there was Hertz. We're Avis. You know, we're going to go. We're going to be hip hop. We're going to be multicultural. Our sketches are going to be half as long. We're going to have better production values. We're not going to serve as a star. We're going to build our own cast. And, you know, because remember, they'd they'd had great success within Living Color. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so we're going to we're going to find our own, you know, those people, you know, that no one ever heard of that become Jim Carrey and Jamie Foxx and the and the Wayans brothers, et cetera. So the, he's this, okay, you know. It seems like it would be incredibly appealing to somebody to want to be involved with that, right? Yeah, yeah. So we went out and we we did this pilot, and uh, Peter, uh, you know, they tested it. He calls me up. He says, "I, you know, I got good news and bad news for you." And he said, because he had said, you know, we and Grusha developed this for eight o'clock because they had cops and America's Most Wanted, mm-hmm. which they weren't proud of. They wanted scripted instead of that. They both were doing yeah, it Yeah, even though they were both hits. Yeah, they were big hits. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, aside hey, from the how do you do a show that could work at you know at 11 o'clock at night and oh. also work at 8? So I just disregarded it, and we produced the show for 11 o'clock, and there was no 11 o'clock time period. Right. So he says, you, you have the highest testing uh, pilot of the entire you know new crop, comedy or drama wow and uh the high one of the highest of all time they they were only in business like eight years at that point but still pretty good mm-hmm. he said but the bad news is that it's a late night show and i told you it's not gonna work it's not gonna work mm-hmm. so i gave him you know i knew he was gonna say something like that so i, I we told them here's why you're wrong <laughs> and he and so they said okay here's what we'll do we'll give you like six or seven more episodes or we'll give you like the full season order if you you know if you want to do it as like a backup show we'll give you 13 or six which will you go for i said i'll take the six wow why i wanted to be on in late night i was positive we would work because we were a half hour earlier they had a much younger audience and we were going to appeal like from the experience that we were having like with Vibe Magazine, which we owned and Spin and everything, there was nothing that would really resonate with people in their teens and their 20s yeah. as opposed to SNL, which was already, the audience was aging with it. Right, sure. And 
So what happened is we went on and we did well, but they had already had another show they were going to do with Roseanne Barr, who we were talking about a few mm-hmm. minutes ago. And Roseanne, who was a big star at the time, cashed in every chit she had in the business and had star wall-to-wall stars. The show sucked. So they did that for the May Sweep. Our numbers were were not twice what theirs were, but like two-thirds better than theirs. Then he picked up the show for the next year, and we you know, ran for 12 years. We would still be on, according to Chernin, at that time, but the network wanted to own the show, and I owned the show yeah. with, with Warner Brothers, and Warner Brothers said, we don't, you know, we're not in the business of selling IP, Man. and that was the end of Mad TV. Seriously. That's in another wow. one of those situations, so like I was bringing up earlier, where like that that decision changed people's lives and uh, and and lost some people jobs just because they wanted to own the show and you guys said no we want to own the show and then boom yeah and then they done. did spike ferriston and they did you know wanda sykes and they did less than half the numbers that we did and then they, they went out of it so they st- we're still like the only hit they've had in in a, in existence of 30 years yeah right? in terms of fox 1987 to now in yeah in terms of fox later but here's the worst irony of the whole thing sure so I'm running the studio. It's uh, it's the late '80s, and Bernie's Brillstein's is in the next office, and um, I had this beautiful, intelligent, super talented person working for me. I won't say her name and embarrass her. That that Lorne had a crush on, and uh, was trying to make the moves. He never got anywhere, but um, we he was hanging, and, and Lorne had some issues at this time, and the show, you know, when you have that phenomenal success, yeah. it has crests and troughs. This yep. was a trough period. Sure. So Tartikoff calls me up, and he says, um, we, we're going to cancel that show, and wow. I don't want to ever see, you know, Lorne again, and don't, and tell Bernie not to come, you know, not like to stop bugging me. We're just not going to do it. So I tell Bernie this thing happens, and uh, he says, you got to go over there with me, because Tartikoff loves me, and he hates he hates Lauren. They've had this major falling out, and he's, he's, he's going to cancel the show. It's season 14. Cancel SNL. Sync cancel SNL. Yeah. So we go over to, to meet with Brandon, and um, he, um, you know, he's very resistant. He leaves, comes back 10 or 15 minutes later, and uh, he says, I- I'll tell you what I'll do. You talk me into it for a 15th year. We're going to brand it and this, that, and the other thing. But I want to host the show. This is Brandon. <laughs> Who wanted to be a comic, as you yeah, probably yeah, know, yeah, 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 yeah. stand-up, which he wasn't good at. Right. Uh, though he was good at almost everything else. And he, he said, but I want to host, and it has to be in the November sweep. And I'm saying, Brandon, I mean, Holy you're, you're, you're going to go what? from... You know, whoever was the biggest star at that time, like Tom Selleck, I remember, was pretty big. Like from Tom Selleck yeah. to Brandon Tartikoff. I mean, it's going to be flat out rejection. I mean, do it in October or just do it in December. Yeah. We'll come up with right. a special show. Does it in November, comes out in like a nice black leather, you know, jacket. And uh, was actually, you know, pretty good. And that's how the show got on for the 15th year. And it did a little better in the 15th year. And, uh, and, and, you know, and they got rid of, but the condition for it to continue, by the way, was that he was off the show as the showrunner. Mm-hmm. And they took this woman, Jean Dumanian, who had worked on the show, was more of a, like a physical production type person. Yeah. And they made her the, the, sh- the showrunner, which she wasn't good at. And, you know, and so they got rid of her. 
the show made it through, you know, the rocky shoals of the doldrums of, you know, years 14 and 15 and got the 15th year celebration. Yeah, was that the... Brandon eventually leaves, you know, like yeah. about a year or so later and Littlefield comes in like, why would I change anything? And uh, and now the show is, what, 43 years old? 43 years oh old. My God. So I played a role in saving the show that would kick our ass, you know, with, with Mad <laughs> TV. Shows well, you what an idiot I am. No, but you, yeah. you know what though? Never you, got a thank you from from uh, from Lauren. From Lauren ever in my life. In fact, we were with Bob Wright, who is then the the CEO of of the whole company in the '90s, and we were at an event. And Bob comes over, who's a great guy, and he says, "You know, you and David must really know." He didn't know this story. Oh yeah, but mm-hmm. he says, "You guys must know each other because you know Mad TV." Yeah, and, and he says, "I." Nice to meet you. Never met. And he didn't look me in the eye and walked away. Fuck that, dude. Wow. What a dick. What a <laughs> uh, Those n- Lauren Michaels, I love you. <laughs> Let it, this is Brad Williams' no, voice. Yeah. Brad Williams is saying, Lauren Michaels, I love you. You know what, though? It's it, Again, it's like you trust your instinct and you just you, you do business according to your um, you know rules of integrity, right? And just like the way you the way you see fit and then like I mean shit like that happens and there had to be though I mean and this is going to segue into I want to know some of your highlights and um, most astonishing moments of the Mad TV run you can go uh, pre and post but I think pre people would probably uh, care to hear more about but like I've heard some stories from you know having Mo Collins on and and Will Sasso and and Bobby Lee who you know responsible for me really taking a jump in stand up by bringing me on the road and uh, he would tell me Mad TV stories and of course a famous one of him you know uh, shitting his pants live on the air Um, I don't know if that's a (laughs) painful or positive memory now looking back but I feel like that's many one of many um, highs and lows throughout a uh, the making of a sketch show which you know we got to see in the reboot Um, but I want to hear maybe not the Bobby story although I would love to hear what was going on in your head when you saw him as Connie Chung shit his pants but also um, the first time seeing a character come to life live that we were like holy shit you know what I'm saying like where those moments where you're like this is the first time this has been presented to an audience and I just got to see comedy history well I would say when we did the pilot the one thing that really broke out the most of characters because my feeling was we were talking you know like people will come back to see things that they like right and with SNL, who had fabulous characters over their history, but you, you know, they didn't they they didn't do them as much because they were servicing a star, and they had the bands, and they did right. you know other kinds of things. In the early years, they did you know with Cheeseburger, Cheeseburger, yeah, Todd yeah. Lubner, and you know all that other stuff. <laughs> Rosanna Dana, uh, yeah. yeah. The, 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 I still think the original News Update crew that was the you know the, yes, the best of course, they and they had a lot of other good people afterwards, but they were the best. Uh, so uh, it was the Vancomb lady. It was you know. Uh, our friend Nicole Sullivan and we just had this woman who was like this female Don Rickles who would do all politically incorrect you know tra la 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 speak English I'm not mm-hmm. hearing and th- so that that sketch you know really broke pretty big from the beginning the thing that really saved Mad TV in the first year was in our Christmas special we I, I we found this guy named Corky Quakenbush hard to believe there's someone with a name like that <laughs> A uh, very talented guy and a clay a clay animation guy, and I knew a lot about clay animation because I had bought Rankin Bass, you know the the Frosty the Snowman, oh yeah, and yeah, yeah. Rudolph, oh, yeah, and yeah. we owned that company. What oh, you know, but Bernie represented them, and we bought the company. So brilliant move. You know, those things are still running. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I was looking for someone like that, and we did because we want. I wanted to do a spoof 
of Rankin Bass, you know, their Christmas stuff, you know, so Rudolph. So we did Rain, Rainfather, and it's, it was super violent with, you know, and, and it, it was before you could go viral in social digital because we didn't have, you know, what we have yeah, now. Yeah, people can share. I mean, that would have trended number one for, for a mean, week. Yeah. I mean, it was... It was unbelievable how you know how successful that was. So that was that was one of the early you know big things that we did. But you know with Bobby who didn't come on until I don't five know, or so seasons. I think, in, was, right? I, I think he came on for season six, but right. I, I may be off. Yeah. But I I I always wanted to you know gr- having grown up in Brooklyn and having had friends of every type and color. Uh, you know, I, I didn't feel that the, you know, the Rainbow Coalition was fully represented, you know, mm-hmm. in, in comedy. And you're always looking for rich new things. It's like what right. we did with the new Mad TV where we we wanted to have someone from the Middle East because now you sort of can't. You got to be from there to play those. Yeah. Things. Yeah. So with Bobby, you know, there was remember Steve Park and he was on uh, in Living Color. Yes. and He was sort of. We'll say the resident. I'm avoiding the word token. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, but yeah, you know, I was Asian say it. guy, token not, Asian, but not not his fault. He's actually a pretty talented yep. guy. They just didn't give him much. It's like, okay, we got you know one of these and one right. Of these and so one now, of those, so now you can't get mad at us. But yeah, we're not going to really show the. the well, there's talent only so there. many parts and lines to go around. So. It's our cover. So yeah. I wanted, and I thought that Bobby had this lovable vulnerability uh, that that could break through. What I didn't know uh, is that he had issues in his life sure. which you you guys know about yep. mm-hmm. and uh i was sort of clueless because i just sort of missed you know drugs and party and all that right. other stuff because i was already a workaholic yeah my whole life and um no one wanted to write for him because you know on sketch shows you team up people with you know everybody's an auteur or at least thinks they are so everybody can write to some degree they right. can direct they can produce and they can act but you know some are better than others uh, so what happened, no one wanted to write for Bobby. It's like, this guy isn't funny. He can't act. He's got dead eyes. That's the mm-hmm. thing, in, like in sketch, they talk. No, they're just he's, Asian. Yeah. He's got dead eyes. <laughs> exactly. I don't know what the, uh, yeah. that's not racist. Yeah, like, you know what I mean? When I turn my head, they're straight. You know, yeah, it's yeah. Just, <laughs> so, um... That's I st- crazy, dude. I, 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 well, there was one other you person. You fought for him, though, yeah? I fought for him for two years. Well, I ultimately, you know, was like, we, we had a democracy, but... If I didn't want to do it, we didn't do it, you know. So we kept Bobby for through the first two years. In retrospect, you know, really he didn't do anything on the show. Was yeah, that that's what was he said. that good? Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and even when he got a, a, an a bat in a real situation, it wasn't you know like we're losing ten one. Let's send the kid up there. Yeah. We gave him real at bats. He didn't get on base, so right. to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just had this feeling, and in the third year, all of a sudden. It started to happen with him, and we created all these characters. I mean, he had seven or eight indelible characters yeah, yeah. That, that we did, and he, you know, he had soul and feeling and everything. He's just a very special guy. He was really good on the show, even though he wasn't. He became, I think, he's, he's I think he's an underrated actor. A thousand percent. Absolutely. Uh, he's much better than most people think. Mm-hmm. You know, and so uh, I'm thrilled for the career he's had. I wish him, you know, all the luck in the world. And we so. You know, that was, that was very pleasurable. I had a situation with Will where he had just come in from Canada to try out for a show that we were doing for UPN that became, you know, when they merged and created the CW. Yeah, yeah, right. It was the Par- United Paramount Network, not one of the great acronyms. <laughs> and and um, so 
I wanted him for this role of like the funny fat guy, mm-hmm. and uh, that Billy Gardell ended up getting the role from a right. Pittsburgh guy, yeah, a wonderful guy. He's been yeah. on the podcast, yeah, yeah. He's, oh yeah, and, and super good, terrific guy. guy. Talk about a blue collar, blue collar, true. Yeah, he'll do anything for anybody. Yeah. Heart of gold, and um, you know, so Will didn't get that thing, and he Will I thought had such pathos as an actor and just like real skills, mm-hmm. and there's nothing he wouldn't do. I mean, you know. Yeah. Commits, uh, to, from what I uh, learned from not only watching him and all his work, but getting to work with him and watch him live during the, the reboot of Matt, I was like, oh, talk about a guy that commits so hard at the highest level and just trusts himself. And it's like that, I think, in, in any great uh, comedic performance is, is what you're uh, hoping to get to a point to where you're just like, you know, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for it the way that I like know right now and, and not because, you know, second guessing yourself, I feel like is the biggest kryptonite in, in comedy and starting to like, you know, have some sort of a, a filter or a, a second like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do. And Will just goes for it. Well, we all played basketball, right? So, yeah. you know, the really great basketball players are successful yeah, basketball players. You don't think of it. It's you just like, react. why did you do that? Yeah. How did you know he was going to be there? You just know it, so you, it, you, it's, it's all on, on instinct. Mm-hmm. And uh, the same thing, I think, pretty much with comedy. So we, I brought Will in uh, in year three. We need Artie, you know, I, I, I loved like, Artie. Yep. You know, I was with Artie, you know, you know, at the docks in New Jersey. And oh, nice. mm-hmm. had seen him and, you know, see it. So I was really, he's like all the Italian guys I grew up with. And, excuse me, bailed him out of jail a couple of times. He had Whoa. really serious problems. Yeah on the show and he just you know we brought him back and the network said like you can't do it anymore and and he 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 wasn't ready for that so um we needed another guy you know like a big guy mm-hmm. and uh for year three and that's where that was will's opportunity so i remember there was that guy sasso you know just like the canadian guy let's find him and we brought him in he just you know crushed he, it. killed from the beginning and Love that. So good. Do, what, do you remember the first time you saw uh, Stuart um, with, with Mike, Mike yeah. McDonald? Because yeah, he was doing that at the Groundlings, yes. right? So did you go out and see him do it there? I love the Groundlings. We have gotten a lot of people from the Groundlings. and um, Shout out to Lyric I, Lewis. I, I liked, uh, exactly. Yeah. I, I liked Will Ferrell a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not, the guys that I had hired to work with me on the show, uh, when we started, didn't particularly you know care for him. Same people um, that picked the wrong Olsen twins. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, so you know, he's obviously had a great career and is a great guy too. Yeah. Michael was there and was you know had these weird quirky characters, uh, and I liked him. And he's a very handsome guy. Yep. You know, very intelligent, tr- mm-hmm. very professional. You know, terrific director, pretty good writer too. I mean, yep. wrote all almost all of the Stewarts. Gives dwarves fantastic nicknames. He nicknamed me Packet. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's got a lot, of, lot, of, lot of skills. A lot, of, a lot of skills. Super funny. So uh, you know, with Michael, uh, you know, we got, we did get him there. He was, you know, he was terrific, and we we got a bunch of our writers there who we auditioned as actors, and I didn't think you know there was no room for them in the cast. Yeah. But hey, you know, we'll give you spot shots and things. It's like what we did, you know, with the with, reboot. Yeah, yeah, with 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 last year's mad nine episodes yeah mm-hmm. we did. so um what was the first live was it Stuart? the first time it was on the air was it live like did you do it or was it a pre-tape like i'm just curious of like seeing it for the first time and and either you know when you were like oh man this is gonna be we did it live and yeah it in, just, fact, in fact virtually all of them we did 39 of them over the years and uh, and they were all live because they're great in front of an audience and mike michael is is 
truly i mean everybody who does comedy to some extent is is has improvisational skills but some of them have you know like scary skills actually yeah. like him yep so as you know the way we always shot that show was that we would always do a second take we try to stay on book for the first one mm-hmm. and the second one we would try stuff and then we would always huddle and you know like these three jokes didn't land so yeah. let's try this other mm-hmm. thing yep. and instead of you know looking light to the right let's get a little pick up here yeah right you know and, and so we would do those things and michael you know like if the sketch was written to be four and a half minutes the first time it would be five and a half or six and the second time it would be like eight or nine thirty you know mm-hmm. and but you got these just great moments where and what what michael did was that Carol Burnett thing to use a you know an, an old analogy and but but a, you know a great a great star in the, in the pantheon of television, and the thing was that the audience likes imperfections and 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 the audience can tell when it's authentic, so on Carol Burnett when she would crack up Tim Conway and and Harvey Corman and Vicky Lawrence and all those people, you knew that they were really cracking up. Yeah. And Michael was authentic. Michael and Mo were those two people. Uh, most on you know on our show that they in that second one they were going to get you big time yeah mm-hmm. and, and Mo even said that to me in in the um, when she uh, uh, did brought back Lorraine and uh, yeah this, with Amir and I and she goes we did one and then she goes all right fuckers she goes this one's for us yeah and then like you know we really let loose in that live t- I mean and that's when we were you know at one point all on the ground scissoring each other and just the uh, the audience was just <laughs> It was like a 15 minutes. She, she's trying to. Oh, it was. She was trying to pull Amir off. No, Amir was trying to pull her off of me. And she's like reverse cowgirling me, me. And I'm like getting pulled up and down. So it looks like very, you know, a sexual. And then she pulled Amir on top of her. So then it was just a sandwich. I mean, that was. But she really, again, like was just like, we're going for it. You know? Yeah. Uh, did you have did you have favorite moments from the uh, from the reboot? I thought the, I mean, the magic is the chemistry of a cast. And yeah. Usually it takes a period of time, you know, for it's like, a, it is like a sports team, you know, for a team of people that never played together <clears throat> to gel and be terrific. And we got it from the very beginning. So that was the biggest, you know, thrill to me. That first, that first live taping that we had yeah. uh, last summer, uh, I mean, I'm not saying this because you were here, but when you did the Lounge X Singer oh, yeah. and we did uh, Safe Space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what, what really, you know, to answer your question, what really got me was that you, you just, you never, um, you, you never know what's going to happen when it's really game time. Like there are the guys that shoot 60% in, you know, in warmups and, sure. and 12 in the game. You yeah. Know, and, and, yeah. Uh, and then there are those people who just, you know, they, they just pull it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you mentioned Lyric Lewis, like she killed in that sketch, yeah. as did you and everybody, Michelle and 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 Amir. But the, I knew we had it at that point when that that one particular sketch. Well, the first sketch that we did was Truly Wed Game. Yeah, the live. I was the first shot. Of you were the me first as Wolf shot. Blitzer, and I that was, was crazy. By the way, just to wrap my head around, like because you know I growing up on on the show and just like the hist. I mean, so many emotions. I mean, I've talked about it before. Like I sobbed when I got the call that I got it, and it was like so to have that first shot and I'm sitting there and I'm feeling very confident comfortable it's almost like for us as stand-ups when you do a new room you're like you know I have a little bit of nerves because it's a new room but once I get that laugh I'm gonna settle in but like shit man live taping and I'm like I know I'm the first thing and I remember I talked to you right before I'm going in there and I think I was going over my lines one more time and then you just looked at me and you're like hey you got this and I was like 
okay and that kind of like settled me in and then the camera started and i was i was just like all right don't like don't completely do a whole new voice or like you know add a add an olsen twin lisp out of nowhere you know what i'm saying just like yeah. uh but that was uh, an incredible first yeah moment. and that was a great sketch and yeah. you you as wolf blitzer he was you nailed it in the first sketch you know the first take of the first sketch right the the network was shocked like wow we never <laughs> wow a jew can <laughs> be that funny yeah that. who knew <laughs> Uh, what, what? We, we didn't tell him you were a Jew. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's how I that's got how, in. That's how you got hired. You can only have a couple. Uh, Adam Ray and and bye bye. You, you telling these stories and hearing these stories. You have to come back on, Dave. Yeah, there's not enough time. Yeah, We've got about we five or ten minutes left. But like, you're okay. gonna have to come back on if you're down uh, with that. Anytime you'd okay, like. Okay, great. Um, Adam has been teasing this story to me for I can't even tell you how long. But he says that there's a Steve Urkel story in terms of is it discovering him or Adam I don't, I don't well, know it's, I don't it's know basically I mean it was what I didn't know is how that the and I think a lot of people don't know that he was when you guys first of all, I don't know how you, you found him but like once he got on it was as a guest star right yeah what happened was uh, it's it, it, it's kind of interesting because earlier we talked about Tom Murphy so Tom is the CEO of ABC right. Cap Cities at the time and uh he one of these times that we were together in the car he said you know we're a, a lily white network and we've got to have a black sitcom i mean but something like with with real substance mm -hmm. like those norman lear ones yeah. used to have not like what's happening joke 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 uh right. so but you, something with something that with feeling something yeah so real. nine yeah. or nine thirty so i what so, so we came up with Family Matters. This was Miller Boyette and the team that they put together. They deserve all the credit. But what happened was, you know, and I told him about this, and we put it on, and it was originally a 9.30 show. Mm -hmm. uh, and what I did, which I was really proud of, when I, in 1965, I got to interview uh, Louis Armstrong for a magazine piece. Love Louis Armstrong. One of my, you know, top five all-time oh, really? favorite. And so to meet this living legend and uh, still have pictures from it and everything. So uh, he did What a Beautiful World and, the, you know, that legendary song that every, people used I to see skies mm. are blue. Yeah. <laughs> Red roses too. Grover? Yeah. Well, my Grover and Louis Armstrong are actually. There is the Grover version. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Perfect. That's Gruy Lomstrong. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I, I was able to get the rights that it had never been licensed it to a movie or a television show, and that was our theme song. And Tom and Bob Miller Boyette, they were so proud of this show because it wasn't, you know, like a Gary Marshall show or something like that, which were fabulous shows and, you know, number top 10 shows for many years. And we thought we were doing something that really had a message to it. And the show was, you know, like one show would do a 35 share and the next one did a 34 share. Yeah. And this would do like a 23 share. And it's like, mm -hmm. you're dead. So this guy, Stoddard, who hated my guts, you know, at that point, for the reasons I said earlier, yeah. was looking for a reason to, you know, kick me in the nads. And so he, we, we, were, we found out that the show from Tom uh, Murphy, he said, you know, they're planning to take your show off the air after this Friday's show. And this is like the middle of the week of what's going to be our last show, and then they'd play them off in the summer. Wow. So I go and tell Miller Boyette this thing, and they said, like, Really? Because they they had a great relationship with Stoddard. He said, "Do not speak to Stoddard." And we got so much drama behind the scenes. Yeah, we got to we got to come up with something because we're dead. 
You know, they, they said we gave them exactly what they wanted and now it's not working. So we, so they said, like, what do you think we need? Like you were, you met with Murphy and I said, well, he's not a creative guy, you know, but we need Fonzie. We need that guy to come in and just, you know, it's a clap on and a clap off without, you know, hitting the applause sign. Right. They said, like, you mean like a black? Black Fonzie? You know, Blonzie? Cool, cool guys. And no, no, the direct opposite, you know, mm-hmm. the super nerd, you know, this dork kind of guy. And and they said, okay, we get it. Uh, they talked to their writers. They wrote some sides for this part. And uh, on a Saturday again, we we brought people in yeah. and we ca- and we cast the part. Uh, he was fantastic. You know, at the beginning, he had the rolled up socks and the yeah. glasses with the bandaid on it. How many Urkels did you see? We saw a bunch of them. Wow. I, I don't remember exactly yeah. how many, but mm-hmm. I don't know, say a dozen, but I could be all. Maybe there were eight or maybe there were 18. Are there any famous, like, uh, like you know, like the Denzel component <laughs> for this? Like, the, you know. No, no, I don't think there was anybody that was that. No, hey, no. Laura Winslow, you know, just yeah. like a little more. That would be great if there was a story of, like, all the guys who'd missed out on Urkel, but, like. We've had some that we've passed on that, you know, like the Will Ferrell type thing. Would yeah. To be big successes yeah. in other shows. So, uh, so what we did was uh, we 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 I think we taped a little test, and uh, I spoke to Murphy. We got a reprieve, and we got them to air. W- w- started said we'll, we'll air one more episode. The, you know the the phone lines lit up. You know mm-hmm. old school because we didn't you know have what we have now. Yeah, and it was he was instantly really good. So I mean we wrote him into an episode that was already written. And he was very good, and then we made him a regular, and he became our Fonzie. He was the breakout in the show. The guys, the, the, just to show you a quick, quick thing, I think I may have mentioned this to you. So we had Reggie Vell Johnson, who yeah, was, yep. was... Carl Winslow. Yep. Yeah, so he he was in the original uh, Die Hard. Yeah, he was yes, a cop in Die Hard. He's a cop with the <laughs> yeah. tick, tick, tick. Right. And lo- really lovely guy. He had a problem uh, the night before we were supposed to shoot the pilot and we got a call from a police station. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. So okay. He, we used him and he ended up staying in the series. Thank God. I came up with this brilliant piece of casting for this kid, Darius McRae. Yeah. Was, okay. Eddie Winslow. Eddie Winslow. Mm-hmm. So, so Eddie Winslow, I had seen him in Mississippi Burning, which was a terrific you know movie about the civil oh, rights yeah. movement yeah. and everything like that. And uh, he was he he was mesmerizing as this preacher boy playing this real character of a kid who was just like the golden child at ten years old. He could go into a pasture and quote scripture, and he just stole you know every scene that he was in. So I I, I found this guy, and Tom and Bob said, "Wow, you're right. This kid is really terrific. He's got a face. He's gorgeous." Yep. And the, so we hired him. He grew eleven inches. <laughs> <laughs> and his voice changed to a man voice mm-hmm. between when we, you know, cast him. And, you know, this is like in seven months. Oh, my God. Well, he God. grew 11, 11 inches in one year. He grew six or seven inches then. But he, 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 he yeah. had a mustache. <laughs> he, he went from looking 11 to like he was 18, yeah. you know, in, in, in a matter of months. And was fine on the show, but he was never, you know, never the breakout. And the sure. breakout ends up being a guy who wasn't even in the original. Was Jaleel, yeah. Did Jaleel crush it in the room, like in his, like, test or his audition? Like He was very good. Yeah, he was. Because, I, I, I mean, what I saw on the show, I'm like, God, that I, I can only imagine that there's nobody even close to I mean, his time, on some of the things he was doing at like, because he was, what, 10 when he got on the show or 11? No, or no, no. He was a little older. 15, maybe? I think he was, yeah, he was probably. 13. 
something. Yeah, he was, he was young. Yeah, he was 14 or 15, I think. Mm-hmm. Good basketball player. Probably. Oh, yeah, incredible. Yeah. He's told his stories on this podcast. Yeah. yeah. So it, is that, 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 I mean, that to me is such a classic, like, you just don't know. And like that, you guys were trying to just keep the show going. And in, not only, I mean, in doing so, you take it to a whole new level. Nine years, I think. Revolutionized television. Yeah, we did about 200 episodes. That's called pulling an Urkel. Yeah. <laughs> when you save the show. Uh, Absolutely. I, I, I was reading your bio, and it said uh, you you personally are responsible for over 12,000 hours of television. And so on behalf of anyone who's ever watched TV, thank you. Thank, yeah. thank you for entertainment. Yeah. Thank Thanks you for, for providing. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for watching. Yeah. I mean, Was that your high school yearbook quote? <laughs> yeah. If we could go back in time. It's actually more than 12,000. We tried to calculate it once. Really? Oh, it's amazing! But it's it's been and just the a joy, just your drive, and that you uh, keep creating, and I hope you never stop creating because obviously you're you're very good at it, and uh, yeah, just j- just the amount of things that you've provided people and their childhoods, and it's just so fascinating to hear all the behind the scenes stuff and how certain things almost happened and why certain things did happen. And I love talking to you and we're absolutely going to have to have you back on to give us more insight because we haven't even begun to scratch the surface. I need to know in your over 12,000 12, hours, is there one thing that sticks out as far as like something like the uh, one thing that you, your uh, most favorite memory and not in and, and this... You know, we this. I don't know what it is, but I'll tell you one thing that was a real thrill. We, uh, Quincy and I did the uh, the inaugural for Clinton Gore. You know, the, yep. the big ceremony oh, yeah. and all that stuff. So um, we got called back to the White House uh, in '94, uh, fall of '94, and they said, um, you know, so this is late at night. You know, it's Clinton and his boys. Hmm. Fun guy to be around. Uh, Gore was never around. He was sort of yeah, kept, kept, working on global warming. Locked mm-hmm. him into the yeah, yeah, was, inventing the internet. Yeah, and yeah, locked yeah. him into the navel. I'll be back in the room where blowjobs aren't happening. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they were going to do this, uh, the summit of the Americas, which had there never been apparently a summit of the yeah. Americas. So it was every it was the U.S. and thirty five other countries, and um, and they said we, we want you to produce the the event. You know the, the 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 big thing. So I got to work with artists from all thirty five countries, and uh, and it was the, the highest rated show ever in Latin America. Of you know, like of a one off show, and it was a, just a very special moment because I'm married to a Latina and oh snap, congratulations! Uh, so it was it was <laughs> well done. Yes. <laughs> It, 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 that was a, a you know it was a great thing and we had you know bomb threats and the, the Cubans and the Soviets and well this Russians I guess at that point and it was it was crazy it was like the stuff that's going on now yeah mm-hmm. uh, all sorts of things and we were in this hotel next door to the, to the Miami Beach Auditorium which is where we did it and all the lights and the power went out and you know all of a sudden guys you know with weapons behind their back you know like navy seal the army ranger secret service Jeez. from 35 countries like people pulling you yeah. know, weapons on each Jesus. other don't anybody move right. the presidents of every one of these countries was at this event oh my you know God. so it was it was pretty you know that that stands out because that's pretty unusual <laughs> i mean yeah i mean you know they're uh, as, as cool as discovering urkel is there's nothing like having a gun pulled on you <laughs> yeah well as i said with urkel i give miller boyette the 
sure. you know, I give them the credit. Well, uh, very talented men. Well, cannot thank you enough for doing this. Thank and, you so much. Uh, th- thank you. For yeah, the your, your your stories are. I mean, look, if you're out there, you're thinking you're living an, an exciting life. Listen to this podcast and go, oh shit! I guess, I guess getting fucked up and trying to jump through the window at the Carl's Jr. drive-through. My sophomore year of college, and maybe I'm talking about me, and maybe I'm not. I don't know. But look, I thought it was a good story. Well, you know, he's not talking about me because there's no way I could reach the drive-through window. <laughs> I don't have pops that good. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. So that's the show. Thanks for tuning in. We had laughs and stories. Now go listen to more episodes. subscribe on iTunes to this fucking podcast, give them a five-star rating so this midget and this Jew can feel good about themselves for a couple minutes. Also, get on your iPhone or Android and get the podcast app. You can also listen to it on Stitcher or aboutlastnightpodcast.com, where you can hear past episodes with great guests like Lisa Kudrow, Paul Feig, Kevin Nealon, Bob Saget, Dion Cole, Chris D'Elia, Adam Devine, Michael McDonald, Jaleel White, Bud Friedman, Steve-O, Harlan Williams, Tom Arnold, Ron Funches, Rick Glassman, Blake Anderson, Anders Holm, Jessime Peluso, Joey McIntyre, and many, many more. I'm Tony Danza. Thanks for listening to the About Last Night podcast. Good night. That's it, right? You got it? Sweet. Boy, it smells good in that booth, by the way. What kind of candle is that? Hanukkah Willow? <laughs> nice. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.